What's good? Welcome to episode 43 of the Helmet Soups and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops Guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P. Moore? What up, homie? Back uh, after an extended leave of absence. Um, ready to talk some hoops today. You want to introduce our special guest for the evening? Yeah, so we have uh, re- returning to the show, uh, fan favorite, hopefully, listener favorite. We have uh, Lil Yumper, a.k.a. Deuce, uh, my brother, and... Uh, a honorary homie of the show. So Deuce from the Tinted Glove Network. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you being on. You can put it on the board. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Good. Coming in with the with the the, the sound bar action. Uh <laughs> that's always always a good way to start the show. So um yeah, we're gonna get into lots of stuff today. But first, of course, Matt. We got it. Yeah, so we're going to say what we're drinking here. Oh, let's go what we're drinking. Yeah, absolutely. So how about Deuce? You lead us off. What do you got? Uh, I am going with the AHA sparkling water, lime, and watermelon. It's my go-to. AHA. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what do you got? I got a uh, Shasta raspberry cream. Oh, nice. Very good. Well, I'll be the alcoholic of the group. I'm uh, slugging down one of my favorite go-to beers. Uh, this is a P-more special, Montucky Cold Snack. Uh, it's basically just like a cheap beer, um, but it's made in uh, Montana. Um, and it has this, you see this cool-ass horse on the uh, can? Like a, a bucking Bronco. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, drinking one of these. These are one of my favorite go-to beers. Um, it's like basically like a Bud Light, but in a, in a cooler can. Um, I mean, there are so, no cheap beer, homie. There's only cheap people. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> you live your exactly. life by this is my gourmet beer. beer. Just cheap people. All right. Yeah. Let's pop it off here. All right. Let's get it popping. All right. So we're on episode 43. So we're going to talk about some uh, notable 43s. So we're going to start off in the NFL. So we have uh, former 43s. We have Cliff Harris, uh, one of my favorite players of all time, Troy Polamalu, Larry Brown, George Atkinson, Mike Pruitt, Steve Foley, Jim Norton, Spider Lockhart, Darren Sproles, and Don Perkins. And then current uh, 43s who had worn the number this past season, we have uh, John Johnson, a safety for the Cleveland Oranges, a.k.a. the Browns. And uh, one of the best names in the NFL, I think, Andrew Von Ginkle, a linebacker for the Dolphins or at this past season. And then going into the association, some past 43s, we have Chris Carr, Brian Cook, Brad Doherty, whose nicknames were Big Dookie and Hooch. The Big Dookie one I don't get because he went to UNC, but it is what it is. Uh, Terry Dishinger, Chris Humphreys, Grant Long, who has some of the best nicknames, I think. His nicknames were The Take Charge Man and The Human Vitamin. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, nickname was Swamp Thing. Jack Sigma, whose nicknames were Goldilocks and the Wikert or Wickert Wonder. Michael Thompson, Clay Pigeon's dad, whose nickname was Sweet Bells. Anthony Tolliver and Jake Bushkel were the uh, former 43s in the NBA. And then some current ones this year, we have three. We have Justin Jackson, who plays for Boston. We have uh, everyone's favorite, Thanasis Atatacompo, 
or the nasty mr irrelevant he plays for the bucks and then we have pascal siakam or spicy p from the raptors so those are our notable 43s anyone stand out to you deuce um the big doogie started out for me but uh transitioning <laughs> to like uh baseball um Couple in the forty threes I could take off the top of my head is one's Eckersley, Eck, which is a pretty big one, and I believe Sutcliffe, the Cubs, was number forty three. Two Cy Young winners and one of them a Hall of Famer. Number number is really odd for twenty forty three. It's really odd number. Like you don't really see it a lot in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I I don't feel like I see you, even Matt named more. I feel like more pigskin players and hoops players, but you don't see it a lot in either of those sports either, really. Like you see 40 or 41 even, but I don't know. 43 doesn't seem like a super popular number, but yeah, Palomalu, I always remember him being 43. Siakam, I knew his number was some weird random two digit uh, number, but I forgot it was actually 43. So, I mean, he's an all-star. He's an all NBA player, so he's significant. I mean, you can't forget about the Nazis either. Forty-three for the Bucks. Yeah, he doesn't even play. <laughs> tallest, tallest cheerleader in Milwaukee. <laughs> he's a he's the he does it all. So he does it all for Milwaukee. So the Nazis. They call him a five-tool player because he can uh, like fold the socks, uh, fill the Gatorade bottles. He can uh, you know pick up the clipboards when the coach throws them. You know, that's, yeah. those are we're, we were talking skills. about this because um, <laughs> uh, the Bulls have uh, Midwest Costas at the Compo on their team. And uh, we were talking about this, me and Deuce, uh, before we started recording. And we we're like, man, Yanis is just a great brother. He just hooks up all of his brothers. <laughs> know, he's he's right? a good dude, man. If you have evidence that Yanis is a good dude, he's a good dude. Hooks up all of his brothers. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so that's our, uh, our, uh, our uh, 43 talk, that's pretty much what stood out to me, too. So shall we move into uh, shooting some hoops there? Yeah, for sure. Um, so in the in the weeks between our last episode and now, uh, the trade deadline has come and gone. And we've had a lot of pretty – some. There's uh, the trade deadline now at this point is always kind of crazy. Like there's always at least one star being moved, but – we had uh, uh, it seemed like it was going to be quiet this year. We had a really big trade deadline with, um, you know, two two stars being moved, one former star uh, who has completely fallen off a cliff. So we'll get into some of the biggest trades. I've got kind of four big ones that I think we should talk about, and then maybe a couple of honorable mentions. But uh, let's just let's. I'm I'm not one to bury the lead here. Um, KD Kevin Durant. Uh, was traded from the Brooklyn Nets um, following the the trade of Kyrie Irving, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I want to talk about KD first. So Brooklyn trades Kevin Durant and TJ Warren to the Phoenix Suns for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who they then flipped for, I think, more picks. Um, and then four first-round picks, 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029, all unprotected. Um, so they'll get those picks no matter where the, the Suns end up drafting um, or where, wherever that pick ends up landing. So um, I guess reaction first. Did either of you expect KD to get traded at the deadline? 
I mean, it seemed like it was happening up to like, I don't know. It kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I kind of figured he'd ask for a trade, but um, you know, it was kind of radio silent there and people were kind of starting to think like, ah, he'll stick around and they'll just rebuild around him. And then boom, he was on the suns. Um, I think it was like the sun, no, the Wednesday before the trade trade deadline or something. Um, so deuce, you're our guest. Why don't you give your thoughts? Um, are the nets screwed? Um, was this like the best they can do? What, what do you think about the deal? Um, I don't know if they're screwed per se. I think they got the thing. It's kind of going to my other segment when we go later in the show. But the thing is Kyrie Irving basically put them in a tight spot. Besides the fact that he's a complete piece of trash. Um, he basically didn't want to be there anymore. And getting rid of him kind of opened the doors because KD already asked for a trade last year during the summer. And we were all hopeful. Oh, I was hopeful that he would come to the Bulls somehow, but obviously that didn't happen. Uh, but, but he was asked for a trade. And the only reason he came back was to be teammates with Kyrie to make, try and make it work. And then Kyrie just automatically left, which is kind of crazy because the Brooklyn Nets were on an 11 game win streak at the time. And he just basically said, deuces, I'm out. So they had to trade something for him to, uh, which they got picks. And the KD thing, I didn't think was going to be happening so quickly as it did. But there were rumors for him going to Phoenix last year. And they just finally pulled the trigger. I mean, the most surprised person probably by it, besides the fans, was uh, Markel Bridges, who just tweeted out, LOL, oh my God. <laughs> like, so, I mean, he was a good sport about it. Um, but it's just like nobody knew it was going to happen right away. But, I mean, there was like, there was some seats planted last year that possibly got accelerated, especially with a new owner coming in to Phoenix. He probably wanted to make a good splash. And on his first day, he landed probably one of the best players in NBA history, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. What What about you, Matt? What are your initial thoughts? What were your initial reactions and have those changed at all? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was surprising that he went to Phoenix. I think it was a little surprising that it got done so quickly because I felt like it did kind of catch other teams off guard that would have, would have been interested in him as well. So, I mean, I, I would assume like Memphis, maybe new Orleans would have at least made a call about it. I'm not sure, but, uh, I was talking to Deuce about it, and as soon as the uh, the artist formerly known as Kyrie Irving was traded, I told Deuce, I'm like, watch, uh, Durant's going to go to Phoenix now. And it got done. I didn't think it was going to get done that fast, but I, I kind of expected it because they're always the favorite to get them. But, um, yeah, I would say I'm going to look at I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of what the package that the Nets got back to me. You could say, okay, the, the full first-round picks are all unprotected. They have a pick swap on top of that. It's good, but to me, the Suns are going to be good for at least two to three years if they keep this core together and they're healthy or relatively healthy as, as best you can be in a long season. So those are going to be out of the lottery. I would say in the 20s would be a safe bet. So they're not, you know, lottery picks. So they're not as valuable as, say, a bad team would give those picks up for. And then also... um. This is just my perspective, my evaluation. I don't know how you make that deal, and Aiton's not in that deal. I just don't. I know I've heard a thousand times that the Nets are not high on Aiton, and I'm just like, I mean, I like I, I would have said, okay, instead of Johnson, give me Aiton instead. Aiton and Bridges and everything else, and I'll take it. Then I think I would have thought it was a, a good deal. So for the Suns, I think it's a, 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 I love the move. I think you had to do it. I mean, Chris Paul is getting is getting really up there. 
and your window could be closing. This year could be your last shot if you don't make a move for Durant, who can you know, carry the load scoring-wise, where it's not just going to be always Booker having to put up 30, 40, 50 points a game so, uh, in the playoffs. So I think that's, it's a move that you have to make. So I love it for Phoenix. Uh, I think it's a good return for the Nets. I don't think it's a great return. Like I said, I don't know how you make that move without putting Aiton in the deal. I don't know what it is about his game they don't like. Um, I never really heard specifics why they didn't like him. Um, but for me personally, if I was Sean Marks, I'm like, there's no way I'm giving you Durant without Aiton in this deal. I just can't do it. Because you, you need someone to build around. Bridges is a really good player. I like Bridges. I think he's going to be an all-star eventually, um, especially if he's more of a number one or number two on a team. But, I mean, you need another piece to build around. You can't just build around Bridges. He's easily their best player now. I feel like you need a piece. And you can say, yeah, they have Nick Claxton. But to me personally, Nick Claxton's ceiling is what Aiton is now. Aiton's ceiling is perennial all-star. If he's used correctly, which I don't think he's being used that way in, in Monty's system, we'll see what happens. But uh, that's just me. I thought the package was good, but it could have been a lot better. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you like the package they got back? Because I'm, I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, with the giant, giant caveat of like, if you're trading Kevin Durant, you're already losing. Like, right? Like you're just—he's one of the 20 best players of all time. It's like, so at that, you have to kind of think about it on like different terms. Like, you're obviously giving away one of the best players in the world when he's healthy. Um. But yeah, it's, I, I think the return they got, I thought it was pretty good Um, for like at, at that point when everyone knew he was going to be leaving. I really like Mikael Bridges. I think he's a really nice young player. The rumors are <laughs> Memphis offered like four first rounders for him to Brooklyn. And uh, they said no, which that's insane to me, but um, I doubt that's true. But um, I think with the Aiton thing, I would have liked to have him too. My bet would be that the Nets don't want to take on any large long-term contracts. And that's probably why they didn't take Aiden. Um, just because, like, you know, he's going to be – he's going to hit that extension, start making 30 – somewhere between 30 and $35 million a year. And maybe they just, like, after being saddled by, with, um, you know, those giant contracts with – KD and Irving, you know, maybe they're just like, we might just want to blow this up and start, start fresh. Um, that could, that could be the explanation. I don't know. Um, I probably would have wanted Aiton, um, if only, you know, he has value around the league. Obviously Indiana really wanted him. They'd probably be willing to give up some stuff for him if no one else was. So, um, but yeah, Cam Johnson's a good player. They ended up flipping Jay Crowder for more picks. I mean, if you look at this, like, Pre Kyrie or uh, KD and, and Harden, this is kind of like what this team was before. Like they, they kind of like got a lot of the picks back that they gave up in the Harden trade, um, plus some second rounders. They've got D Dinwiddie's back. Um, you know, they've got like a, some good young players in guys like Cam Thomas, um, in Mikhail Bridges, Cam, Cam Johnson. Um, they've, they've got some pieces and they kind of got the picks back. They gave up for Harden. So it's kind of just like the last three years, like didn't happen, which I mean, they never won. They, they won one playoff series in three years. Um, 
you know, and one year with James Harden, two years with Kyrie and KD. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. They, they didn't get further. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like the way everything was headed, like if I was Sean Marks, um, I'd want both those guys out too. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want KD gone, but if he's going to be like, it's me and Kyrie together or nothing, I'd say, okay, see ya. <laughs> not dealing with this headache. Like you're great, but you play 50, 55 games a season. I'd rather go back to being a young team with little pressure. Um, not, not a lot of pressure on me that, you know, actually competes and wants to be there and, you know, wants to, wants to try to win games and not play, you know, prima donna or whatever. So that's just me. Yeah. I mean, it was, like I said, it was a good deal, but I feel like it should have been Aiton and Bridges and everything that would have made it better for me. And um, I mean, maybe it was a sticking point. Maybe Phoenix didn't didn't want to give up Aiton because now they have a core. I mean, I don't know. We'll never know. I mean, until someone writes a book about it or something five years from now, especially if they win a title. But um, that's just me. But uh, before we get to Deuce's thoughts on that, so uh, Hoops Guru, would you say that the Knicks took back New York after the Nets took it? Yeah, I, it's I, they probably even you know got the like four square blocks of uh, Nets fans in the entire city. They probably won them back over after uh, after after Katie and Kyrie are gone. Um, so yeah, <laughs> now you'll now it'll be uh, you know when the when the Knicks go to Barclays Center, now it'll be like ninety nine percent Knicks fans instead of like eighty five percent Knicks fans. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, All right, Deuce. Deuce. Any any other thoughts on you know whether that's KD? Actually, I guess I should ask all of you. Do you think this move makes the Suns the favorites to win it all, favorites to win the West, one of se- um, several or many contenders, or or what? Where where do you feel like this puts them? Deuce, you start. I don't think it puts them as the favorites to win it all. Um, Man, Chris Paul is looking rough, man. He's I know he's up there in age, but he's going to be relying on 34-year-old KD to help him out. And basically, it was a great pickup from Phoenix to get TJ Warren in that deal. But like they lost, you know, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, who just they're like there are a lot of energy guys out there, and those two two guys are really really talented, and their bench is really scarce. And they also traded Ray um, Sarek, Dario Sarek. They traded him away, uh, who was actually starting for them for a little bit. So yeah. I don't know if they're, they're yeah. if they I mean if they're healthy and Chris Paul finds the fountain of youth, they could possibly get to the finals. But that West is looking mighty mighty tough right now, uh, even with um, the Gim KG uh, KD. They still have you know to go through some pretty decent teams out there so i don't know and even though portland traded away josh hart they're still playing pretty well as a team so i don't count out like the the big knockout guys so but you know that kind of reminds me of when dallas had this big run with dirk and they got knocked out in the first round by golden state so you can't count out when you're when your conference is so strong you can't count out the acs so right now i don't think they're the favorites they're one of the favorites i would say yeah, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I agree with Deuce. Uh, I, I think if you told me if I had to make a bet, if I was a betting man, would you take the Suns or would you take the field? I'd take the field. 
Uh, I just don't. It's so hard for me to pick uh, any one team, especially in the West, that's gonna even win the West, let alone win the championship. So uh, I would say that this puts them in a strong contention for like a conference finals berth. Um, like I said, I would say that they probably still with this. I, I wouldn't trust them. I can't go all in and say I think they're going to make the finals, even just make the finals. Um, I just can't do it just because there's so many things that go into it. We still got 25-ish games around there, 20 games. Plus, they got to go through two rounds so you can get the conference finals. You never know. And even the lower seeds in the West are still pretty good teams. You know, I mean, you're playing good teams um, even in the first round, depending on who you get. If you're playing Portland in the first round, do you really want to play Portland in the first round if they're the eight seed? If they get or the, the seven seed with Lily and Simons and all those great young players they have? Like, is that really who you want to play? It's not going to be a sweep. It's going to go probably six, maybe. You know what I mean? Five, six games. And it'll be a tough five, six game. So, I mean, the West is hard. And obviously you have Denver and, you know, Memphis and New Orleans. If they can get healthy, it's deep. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't say that they're the favorite. I'd say they're a contender. And I mean, still, we still know what we're going to get with Golden State. They've just been, we saw this last year too. We were kind of out on them. And then what happens? They just, they just win the title. So, I mean, I would say that they're a contender. They probably should make the conference finals, but I don't know. I can't really say just because you're betting on Chris Paul's health, which unfortunately he's always seems to get injured at the worst times. Kevin Durant is usually banged up every season now at this point. He's great, but when he's out there and then we'll see, you know what I mean? So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, they got beat by, uh, they're the number one seed. They got beat by a team that they were better than last year. So who's to say that, if there's any sort of injuries that are lingering or what have you, they can't do that again. So, um, so I, contender, have, but not favorite. I got a question for you guys. This is for both of you because you guys are more basketball savvy than me. How the fuck do the Lakers even make it into the playoffs? Because the West is stacked. The Lakers, Lakers were currently our 13th right now. And I don't see anything that they did in this trade, you know, the, wheeling and dealing during the trade deadline to make them put over the hump of the Jazz, the Blazers, even the Thunder are playing the Lakers right now. You know, the Warriors are in, not even are in the play-in. <laughs> so, they're the ninth seed. I mean, I, I don't know how you know, the Lakers can jump these guys to even get into the playoffs and make a significant impact. But yeah, I'm reading all over Twitter, like all oh, the Lakers are back. I do not see that in any way or form. I just I and I still don't understand how teams are helping them when they have trade picks from like 25 years from now that they only have to give up for first rounders that aren't even born yet. <laughs> it's um, those are those are the picks though that the GMs love the most because like that's the pick that gets you like you know it's it's so long like LeBron's been retired for seven years and Anthony Davis is retired for. <laughs> you know, four and all of a sudden the Lakers are awful and you're getting some, some, but the th yeah, I get you. Like the GM is not going to be there. He, like the GM's probably going to be fired by that point and replaced if we're being honest. So it, it is weird how obsessed they get over picks that are like so far in the future. And they're, they're thinking like, Oh, value wise, this is great. Cause like they could be, you know, the worst team in the league then. And it's like, well, you're not going to be around to find out like most likely, like there aren't many GMs 
who lasts that long um and for being honest to be honest like has there ever been a superstar to crumble his team as much as lebron james has crumbled the lakers and that's a, that's a legit question like you could talk about kd but the nets actually got something for kd when lebron left the uh Cavs, they had two first round picks because they were so bad. Like he crumbled that. He decimated that team. Even with the Heat, he decimated that team when he left. Uh they Dwayne Wade had to go to the Bulls. <laughs> That's how decimated they were. And now he's basically training everything he can, playing GM, and he still has a horrible team. He he made the wrong decisions going with uh, uh not getting Alex Caruso, letting him go to the Bulls, and letting DeMar DeRozan get traded to the Bulls. He wanted Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook cost him $43 million, and now he's probably going to the Clippers because he got released. Like, And they, ha- like, they have those picks from 10 years from now in the first round, yeah, but their trade capital is pretty, pretty, pretty scarce. <laughs> they gave up one of them, actually, so they only got one left. Um, yeah, uh, Pat, give us your thoughts on, uh, on Phoenix, on Burner, playing for the Suns now, which I love the way that played out. Um, and then, I mean, in terms of, in terms of like, uh, where do you see them? How do they stack up in the West in terms of a title contender? And then, how about we'll go into the, uh, the, uh, the media, national media's favorite team, the LA Lakers. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I think I'm with you. Uh, you both, I think, when healthy, Phoenix has the best top end talent in the league. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not counting on that team to be healthy. Chris Paul gets hurt every single playoffs. Every single playoffs. Devin Booker missed like 20 games this year with a hamstring injury. Kevin Durant hasn't played more than 70 games in like four years at least. Um, and just re-injured the same MCL for like the third third year in a row. And yeah, they don't have any depth anymore. Like before, if you could you know, throw out... Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and Aiton and just turn into this like fun young team, it would have been fine. But now it's like TJ Warren, who himself is a huge giant injury history. And yeah, they don't have Saric anymore. He's gone. Um, so I, you know, it's just one of those teams like they're going to, it's going to be dependent on health. I think they can probably beat anyone in a seven game series, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick necessarily against the Warriors in one of those season series. I wouldn't necessarily pick against the Nuggets. And yeah, like I don't even think they're going to end up being the one seed, honestly. Like Durant is still out. He's not playing right now. Um, Chris Paul has been rough for sure. Uh, And yeah, they're, they're the fourth seed right now. Now they're just a game behind Sacramento, so they can jump to three or they can potentially even catch try to catch Memphis or, or even the nuggets if they really, really go on a run. But um, I would have them finishing as a top four seed, but I don't know. Then what happens if they play Dallas who, you know, smoked them in the playoffs last year. Right. When um, they didn't smoke them, beat them in seven games, but just destroyed them in game seven or, you know, a young Pelicans team that's getting healthy at the right time, or, you know, even, even end up playing the Clippers or something. I don't know. There's just a lot of threats in the West. If I'm being honest, that's just the West. I think that the best two, maybe even three best teams are in the Eastern Conference anyways. So in my opinion. Um, so that's before you even get to, you know, Giannis or Embiid or uh, Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Um, all of those teams I would probably be even more scared of. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's just me. Um, 
we'll see. We'll see how it goes. There's like 20 to 25 games left for most teams. So I don't know if they're going to like really jet up the standings, but they're probably just going to get fo- be focused on getting everyone healthy going into the playoffs. As for the Lakers, <laughs> everyone was, uh, you know, waiting all uh, basically season waiting to see what they were going to do. Will they trade those two first round picks? Um, what are they going to do? Are they going to go for Kyrie? I think when Kyrie requested that trade, everyone just assumed he was going to the Lakers. Um, and reportedly they offered up their two first round picks unprotected for Kyrie Irving. And what I've heard is the Nets liked the, the Mavs steal better because they were getting Mikhail Bridges. They were getting actual players, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, um, and some of their, and more first round picks. Um, so what they ended up doing, I, these are all a bunch of different deals. I'm not going to go through like every single deal. I'll tell you who's out and who's in. So out go Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, a short, uh, inglorious campaign with his hometown team. Imagine that. Imagine going back to your hometown team being terrible, (laughs) getting benched, having your teammates trying to trade you and like your teammates don't even want you there. Um, Man, like, and it's, and it's in your home too. It's like your dream to play for this team. It's like, damn. Um, Anyway, Russell Westbrook got traded. They sent out Pat Beverly, Damian Jones, Juan Toscano Anderson, Thomas Bryant, and uh, a first round pick, I think in 2027, that was top four protected. And basically who they brought in um, were D'Angelo Russell, um, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Devon Reed, and Mo Bamba. Um, So that's kind of who they swapped out. They lost a first round pick. They might've gained a second rounder or two. Essentially, they got Westbrook off the team, which I think is addition by subtraction. And they got some nice players. Like, I mean, Malik Beasley is a good player. Jared Vanderbilt's a good player. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I don't know if he's a good player, but he's a good shooter. <laughs> so if you know you 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 want someone next to LeBron and AD, he can definitely shoot it. He's having an okay year scoring the ball. He's he's bad on defense. He can be a little bit of a shot chucker, but. Um, if he can learn to fit in, I guess, theoretically, he's an okay, okay. But um, yeah, I don't know. This doesn't move the needle for me. I think they, their team makes more sense. And if they were sitting in ninth or eighth seed, I'd say, yeah, right now, yeah, they could probably make the play in. Um, but they got off to a terrible start. And now they're, let's see, how many games out of the 10 seed are they? They're two games out of the 10 seed behind OKC, who's in 10 currently, Utah and Portland. I'm with you, Deuce. They're, they're, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved up the standings, like if they went on a little run and like really like if AD could play a, a long stretch alongside LeBron, if they strung some wins together. But I mean, I'm, I'd also am not surprised if they finish 11th and just miss the play in altogether. They are not significantly better than any of the teams above them overall when you consider health um health health of their their stars and and their roster beyond the top two so i'm with you but matt what are your thoughts i mean 
I don't think you're all that high on them either. If I'm, I mean, I don't know anyone who's like objective who is like, yeah, the Lakers are really now they're going to do it. Like they got Jared Vanderbilt. This is all uh, like, we're going to the title now. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good uh, word to put at the end there, homie objective. Cause I've heard, uh, I haven't watched the video because I don't want to. I don't want my IQ to go down. But I've seen national media basketball analysts, if you want to call them that, say that the 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 Lakers could go to the conference finals, which is insane to me, absolutely insane. Um, so uh, I would say I was I was extremely low on them. I thought they were even worse than they were last year. Their roster construction is it better now? Yeah, it's better, but. Are they significantly better than any of the teams ahead of them? Not even counting the first six. I'm talking about just the play-in or the people or the teams in front of them that are, you know, 11 and 12. I, I don't think so. So, I mean, could they be the 10, the 9 or the 10? Sure, I guess. I mean, is it going to end? Are they going to get out of the play-in tournament? I don't know. But, um, I mean, I think about it this way. What would you rather have? All the moves they just did? Or DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso, which is what they could have had last yeah. year. And Kuzma. And Kyle <laughs> Kuzma. Kuzma. Yeah. yeah. KCP. I mean, yeah. they so love So, would you rather have, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Kyle Kuzma, or all the moves they just made to get still not as good as they were when they won the championship? It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of crazy how this team just imploded. After they won the championship, it's like, oh, we won the championship. That's the story of this entire championship team. I don't yeah. get it, but I mean, Rob Pelinka got an extension, so and apparently someone there thinks he knows what he's doing. It's not, it's not any of us, but he, he got extended, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, could they make the plan? Sure. And would I count on it? No. Do I think they're going to go anywhere? If they make the plan and they play Golden State, they're they're as you would say, home. They're toast. There's no way. You know what I mean? Unless, unless the basketball baron just goes plays out of his mind and averages forty five a game, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> For the two playing games, but I don't know. Um, not high on it. The moves they made, I'm not high on them. I mean, I like Bamba, but I mean Russell is just like you said. He can shoot you in, shoot you out of a game. He hasn't really shown he's consistently uh, additive to your roster. I think the the Timberwolves were dying to get rid of him. It's pretty obvious. And they finally got someone to take them. So I don't know. I'm pretty uh, pretty low on it, too. I don't like the moves that much. I will say, like, getting Westbrook off your team, I think if you're trying to win, it is good in a vacuum. But when you realize you, like, gave up actual assets to get him in the first place and, like, made your team worse, like, yeah, how... Palinka. I mean, the only explanation I can see is Palinka goes to Jeannie Buss and it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Say no to LeBron? And she was like, oh, okay. Like, that's the only thing I realize. Yeah. Like, like, that's the only thing I think that could possibly explain why he still has a job. It's like, listen, like, you're the owner. Do you want me to say no to LeBron James or or what? And she was probably like, you know, no, um, you know, you got to remember they did win a championship. So he had a lot of like, he had a lot of support um, after that title, even before, even though they didn't 
do anything really the next year. Um, lost in the uh, lost in the in the first round to Phoenix, um, and then missed altogether last year. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really puzzling. I uh, can't imagine like they had all the things you want around LeBron James, defensive three and D guys, and then they were just like, why don't we go get an, a guy who can't shoot? Is gonna can't play without the ball in his hands next to LeBron James, arguably the most ball dominant player in the league, and doesn't play any defense. How does that sound? <laughs> and they did it. And they like he's a, gave he's up a turnover stuff. machine. He's a turnstile too. It was Turn, just, yeah. turns the ball over. Can't and, and not a good passer when yeah. LeBron James is one of the greatest drivers of the basket of all time. And yeah. and everyone who was just sitting there watching, like most actual NBA analysts, not Twitter, not like the talking heads, like actual writers and guys who do this for a living. were just like, that is an awful fit. Like this is not going to work. And basically all of us in that camp, were just sitting there and we're like, what did you expect to happen? So I guess that era, the Russell Westbrook homecoming era is over. Um, the, <laughs> not making the playoffs thing probably still isn't over. They're going to, they're going to do, they have a good chance of missing the playoffs again. So Deuce, any, any final thoughts on uh, the Lakers? Um, I think we're, it sounds like we're all on the same page here, but uh, no, I don't have any final thoughts on the Lakers. I, I just, just drives me crazy how people still say like, Oh, they're going to you know people who are respected journalists. Like Matt said, say, Oh, they're going to still make the playoffs. Uh, somebody said, uh, they can be in the NBA Finals. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> but um, to cap it all off, what do you guys think? Do you think a KD is actually going to finish out his contract with Phoenix? Um, I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> if I had to say yes or no, I'd say no. He has three years left on his deal. He's changed teams every three years. Yeah, for the last six. I mean, he. I uh, know. I don't. I don't trust him to to stick around there. If like they they disappoint and Chris Paul all of a sudden like is unplayable and is making forty million dollars a year, and you know, I mean, I think I think the nice thing about Phoenix is you do have a young, awesome player in Booker, and you do like Matt said, like have a pretty foundational piece in Aiton. So like they do have a young stuff they can lean back on, even if, if Chris Paul goes over a cliff, but I don't know, Kevin Durant, like doesn't, doesn't really seem to know what he wants a lot of the time. So it's like, I, I can't, can't begin to predict what he may be thinking in a year, two years, three years. It, it could be anything. He could retire. I, you know, it's, it's complete toss up. Yeah, I agree. I think no matter what happens, miss the playoffs, losing the first round, losing the semifinals, losing the conference finals, make the finals, win the finals. It doesn't really matter because he's he's shown that he's he left an ideal, probably the most perfect situation a guy could ever ask for. And he left because of I don't know, media scrutiny, who knows? I don't know what it is. But he left that, which was a perennial, you know title contender and then they just won one without him so i mean 
even if even if the Suns were to win a title in the next year or two, who's to say he's like, okay, well, I got my by myself. I'm just gonna go, I don't know, play for this team now because I can. So I mean, I'm not. I don't feel like really strongly about it that he won't finish it out, but I would lean no just based on his history. And but I mean, like I said, if I had to pick, I'd say no just because I don't really know. Regardless of what happens, good or bad, he can still say, okay, well, I'm done here. I'm going to go somewhere else. So I'd say no. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with, with, with Irving, who let's transition to that trade. Um, Irving got traded from the Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. He's on an expiring contract. His contract is up this summer. So Dallas is for all intents and purposes, renting him for four months. Um, and to do so, they gave up Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a 2029 protected first round pick, and then two second round picks. Um, I think all things considered, if I'm the Nets, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> uh, here's how I think about it. I signed Kyrie Irving. I didn't trade for him. I didn't give up a bunch of assets to get him. Did I t- completely surrender my values and my team's culture to bring him in? Yes, but you know, at least I didn't trade picks for him. Um, he was leaving. I don't want him there. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty obvious they didn't want him there anymore. And wh- why would you? I mean, like, what boss wants the most unreliable employee in the business? No, no, none of them. Um, even if he's like, you know, when he gets to his desk, he's the best worker ever. If he's skipping out and telling you like, no, nah, I got to go. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to try ayahuasca in the jungles of Venezuela uh, for three weeks. Sorry, I can't make it. Um, you know, like no boss wants that guy, right. Working for them. So I'm not surprised they traded him. I think it's, they made the right move to just get him out and to be able to get quality players like Dinwiddie who came up in Brooklyn and was kind of like a, you know, an organizational favorite there Um, is a good player. Um, You know, has has quietly been having a good year, both when he was on the Mavs and in Brooklyn, Dorian Finney Smith, who's one of the better wing defenders in the league can hit open threes um, and then like a first round pick, I, I feel great about that. I feel a lot better about this than I do about the Durant trade. Um, especially since like, I don't know if you're Dallas, it's like, okay, are you going to re- you're going to sign Kyrie Irving to a four year deal, which is reportedly what he's asking for. Really a deal for this guy that runs to the end of Lucas contract, you know? Like you want to tie yourself to that um, when you risk losing someone like Luca, maybe to a bigger market, um, a better team situation, a coach he likes more, you know? Um, I don't know. I would just say I'd be shocked um, if Kyrie signs for like a two year deal. I think it would have to be three years minimum. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't give that guy three years, a three year contract uh, for anything. I mean, like he just he's not he's it's all great until it isn't and he decides he doesn't want to play basketball for a little bit and that he's gonna not listen to anyone and not be logical about any of it and just say you know what whatever i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do because i think i'm right uh because my third eye is open it's like it's gonna happen 
we'll see. Maybe it doesn't happen this season. It'll happen. So that's that's my thinking. I think I think the Nets should be ecstatic right now, um, just to get him out of the organization and actually get useful stuff in return. But am, am I crazy for that? Is that like, am I just too sour on on Kyrie Irving? No, no. no. <laughs> I, I feel you. Uh, the whole thing with him is that it's like living in an area that has an active volcano. It might not have erupted recently, but it's just a matter of time before it does and destroys the entire town. So that's pretty much what he is. He's like it's like having him on a team is like living somewhere with an active volcano that's about to explode. Erupt, I should say. Um yeah, uh, I think the in contrast to what I thought about the the package they received for Durant, I think they got a, a fantastic package from Dallas. I feel like it was a huge overpay from Dallas for at this point all we know is it's a rental. And he could tell you, oh, yeah, I'm going to sign with you and then go sign with, you know, any team he wants. Yeah, ask I mean, Boston. Do you, do you trust his? Yeah, Boston. Oh, I'd love to be here if you'll have me. Okay. And then where did he go? So, I mean, you can't – his word is worthless to me. So, doesn't mean anything to me um, with that. So, I mean, for it's a huge overpay for a rental. And it's a big win for the Nets because you're going to lose them for nothing. So, a guy that we were going to lose for nothing because he was going to leave – we got two really quality rotation pieces and a, and a couple of picks out of it. That that's a win all day. I mean, Deuce's guy, Deuce is a Dinwiddie guy. I like Dinwiddie. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's solid. You know, I mean, he could be a nice, you know, starting starting player, part of your rotation. And like you said with Finney Smith, homie, like he's a good three and D guy. So I mean, that's nice. That's a win all day long. Um, so I, I loved it. I thought it was a. Uh, a nice win for Marks there from from Dallas, and I, it just seemed to me, it felt like a desperation move to me from Dallas, and that's not diminishing him as a as a talent on the court. It's that everything that goes into him being on the court, because let's keep it real: if he wasn't a distraction, he wouldn't have gotten moved. You know, what I mean, if, if we're just judging him based on how he is as a player, there's no way that they would have traded him for what they traded him for, and I mean. Like how many times you got to see it happen before you say, okay, maybe there's this guy's kind of broken. We can't fix him. You know what I mean? He all the all the good situations he was in, it didn't work. So he had um, the basketball Baron in Cleveland. They won a title. wasn't good enough. He had Jason Tatum, who's probably the top five talent right now, and Jalen Brown didn't work. And then he had um, one of the greatest shooters and offensive players of all time who's his quote-unquote best friend, and James Harden, and it still didn't work. So, I mean, you think he's going to go into a team with one of the highest usage guys in the league, if not the highest, it kind of fluctuates here and there, who's extremely ball-dominant, and everything has to run through him. You think he's going to be okay with that for three years down the road? I mean, we'll see. But, I mean, I wouldn't bet on it. So, huge win for the Nets. Desperation move, in my opinion, from Dallas. Yeah. Any thoughts, Deuce? Yeah, I totally think it is, too. I will say this, though. This is a funny thing. I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not. I have no idea. I had heard that uh, Joe Sai, who owns the Nets, who... I can say I think none of us are fans of him at all. Um, 
Uh, he was like, okay, he wants to go to the Lakers, so trade him to any team but the Lakers. <laughs> I heard that was what happened. I don't know if it's true, but even if it's not, it's a great story. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, I mean, he, he did all this to us. He wants to go there. Okay, well, anywhere but there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's yeah, I think that's pretty funny too. I, I do feel like the Nets are like pretty solid team coming out of all this. I mean, I'm not saying they're like a top six team or they're going to do anything in the playoffs, but a rotation of let's just let's just say Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie. I think who they start right now is Dinwiddie, uh, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton. It's a pretty good starting five. I mean, two way defense and offense. It's pretty good. And you've got Cam Thomas, Seth Curry. Um, you've got uh, you still got Royce O'Neal on the bench, Ben Simmons, who's kind of worthless right now, if we're being honest. Um, Joe Harris, three points. Joe Harris. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a nice little, it's a play in quality team, I'd say, yeah, at, at the yeah. least. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely not contending for a title anymore, but let's be honest, I don't think that team was going to get past the top three in the East, even with Durant and, and Irving. Um, I mean, you got you had a shot, but I wouldn't have counted on that. So um, I don't. I think it's a pretty good return. I think the Nets are probably back where they should be, just like being, you know, a scrappy team with a good culture um, where guys play fun basketball. That's what it was before um, before Katie and Kyrie, and and maybe that's what it could be again. But um, I'd still, I, I would be shocked if they slid, like if they slid out of the play-in. I mean, I don't know if they're going to stay in the top six in the East, um, but I, I think they'll be a top ten team, um, you know, somewhere seven through ten. And yeah, if they win a play-in game or two, I wouldn't be shocked either. So I don't know. Um, if I'm them, I'm kind of like okay with this. Like pressure's off. Don't have to deal with these two like drama queens anymore. Got some good young pieces we can build around. Got some draft capital back. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm feeling okay. I think. Um, there was one last kind of big big deal I wanted to talk about, and again, like the Lakers one, it's more like a series of deals. So I'll kind of just say who's out and who's in. But I did want to talk about the other team in LA, uh, the Clippers, and their trio of trades uh, that they made. Um, they basically sent out uh, Luke Kennard, who went to the Grizzlies, uh, Reggie Jackson, um, who went, I, th- I think he went to Atlanta and then got cut and or, or released and then signed with the Nuggets. And then John Wall, who got, who got sent back to the Rockets, uh, which I found very funny. And in exchange, they got Bones Highland um, from Denver. Uh, Mason Plumley uh, from Charlotte and Eric Gordon um, from Houston. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people really liked this trade just from what I've heard on like podcasts and reading, reading trade grades and stuff. It doesn't really move the needle to me too much here. I mean, I don't know how many of those guys are going to be like really com- playing a ton for you. Eric Gordon probably has the best chance to do so, but I don't know. I, I I don't feel like Reggie Jackson to Bones Highland is a big difference maker. Um, people seem to have like, 
I don't know. I don't know what people are watching, but people have been really high on like, oh, they got Plumley, a good backup center. Guy backed up Jokic for two or three years, and I watched him, and he was he's not a good. You, if you're playing that guy more than 20 minutes a game, you, you're gonna have issues. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't really see that as a big upgrade. Eric Gordon's a nice player. I'll, I'll give him that. He, he's a good two way player. Um, but you know, it's just I don't know they keep switching out all these pieces every year. Like, you know, the things that's there's two things that are important is guy is Kawhi playing and healthy. Is Paul George playing and healthy to me, the rest of the stuff, you know, it, it, it all depends on that. Um, I don't feel like they're that different of a team now than they were before they made these trades. Um, it still comes down to, are those guys going to play? Um, can the team stay healthy? And and that's it. But I don't know. What do you what do you think, Matt? You're you're uh you're a fan of the Clippers. You like you like the clips. Um, I know you liked some of the players that got moved around in those deals. Do you feel like the Clippers are better, worse, the same? I mean, I would say the same or possibly to me, you know, by hair slightly worse to me um but i mean i'll I'll say the same just to be fair because like you said gordon solid player he just keeps getting moved around he can't really find a home unfortunately and then uh plumley i'm out on me and you've talked about this on the show you know however many episodes ago about why is the hornets are even starting plumley when you have you know a guy who was a monster in college in williams so I don't know why he would do that. Maybe he's going he's to hopefully get some time now. He's in the G League. But he was a lottery pick, and you're starting Mason Plumley over him when you're a team that's re- clearly rebuilding. Um, so I don't understand that. And we said that uh, Plumley is probably the worst starting center in basketball, and they just acquired him and made it seem like he was, I don't know, Bill Walton. You know what I mean? I've heard people talking about, oh, Mason Plumley, what a pickup. I'm like, have you watched Charlotte games? I've we've watched a ton of them. He's we, he is what he is. You know what I mean? He's not a horrible player. We said if he's coming off your bench, I don't have a problem with it. If he's your starting center, your team has issues, bad issues. So, like you said, home, if you're playing them more than 20 minutes, your team's in trouble because he's gonna he's gonna kill you uh, on defense. Or he's just he's just kind of a slow-footed center. You know what I mean? He doesn't really do much. He's a terrible free throw shooter. So if it's in a clutch, it's a Clutch moment in the game, he's out. So there, you lost his rebounding ability, which is not necessarily elite. He's a, he's a, he's a bench player. It's what he is. You know what I mean? He's it is what it is. And then uh, I'm a big Mr. June guy. I like Reggie Jackson. So I think um, I, I like Bones a lot too. But I think they're kind of comparable at this stage in their careers at this point in terms of what they can give you. But I think that Jackson's a bigger loss because he was kind of a heart and soul, kind of a glue guy on that team. And he had a great playoffs for them last year, um, a couple years ago, I should say, when they made the conference finals. So he was kind of like their heart and soul, like a high motor guy. So I feel kind of like he lost that because they don't really have any any like guys who get hyped or like rah-rah guys on their team. You know what I mean? I mean, Paul George is pretty chill. Um, Kawhi Leonard doesn't have a personality. And, you know, I mean, there's not really much much to it. You know, Nicky Batts kind of just does his job, and that's it. You know what I mean? Zubac just does his own thing. So, I mean, there's not really a type of guy who can get the team hyped 
I mean, except for maybe Ty Lue, but I don't know. So you're missing that. And then the Canard move, it was an overpay when they, when they got him. Everybody knew that. And then they moved him to get off of that. So, I mean, I'll say they stayed the same, maybe slightly worse, but it doesn't really do much for me. I think, they, I think the thing they need more is health and continuity for me. Like, can they... Can they win when they need to? Can they stay healthy when they need to? That's pretty, the biggest problem for them. It wasn't like, you know, lateral type of moves. It wasn't going to really do nothing for me. So, And they got off John Wall. I mean, he was he was hurt. But, I mean, when he was out there, he was set out. He was fine. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really, I don't really know what Lawrence Frank was thinking personally. I guess he just wanted to move some pieces around, get off some money, I guess. I don't know. But... Yeah, it doesn't really do much for me, homie. Deuce, any thoughts on the Clippers and what they've done? I'm just a bit mad on that. I don't I don't think they did anything significant to basically make their team better. They got Eric Gordon, who's old. Um, they got rid of Danny Green, who I know Matt's not a big fan of him, but that's a you know three point shooter that I think it's better than Eric Gordon. And they kind of did John Wall dirty. You know, they traded him to the team that he did not want to be with, even though he's probably getting released. And uh, breaking news, the Bulls are interested, which I got, don't don't know why. But, you know, they traded him away. They got, you know, they got rid of Reggie Jackson for Mason Plumley. It just doesn't, like, Reggie Jackson is a person that is a valley, very valuable coming off the bench. And I think they got kind of worse getting, you know, basically replacing him with Eric Gordon. I, I don't know what they're doing. And that's another team that depends on health. Uh, if Kawhi is going to play. Uh, Paul George seems to be playing a lot more, but Kawhi kind of does a lot of load management, so you don't know if that team's going to have their superstars there. But they didn't really have a great deadline for to me to put them over to the top. They're still better than Lakers, though. I'll give them that. Yeah, definitely. Um I will say, yeah, there's talks about them signing <laughs> Russell Westbrook uh, with Paul George and Marcus Morris um, advocating. If I'm in the Clippers front office, I take a look at the Lakers and what happened when they caved to their players who asked them to trade for Russell Westbrook. And that that should be an open and shut decision for me. Like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Um, bad, bad fit. I, I don't. I know they don't have really have any point guards, but he's not really even a point guard anymore. He, you know, he's not running your offense. Um, he's he's isoing and passing when he gets doubled, but usually shooting the ball. So I, I don't know if that's what you need if you're the Clippers. Um, I think you two probably agree with me there. I mean, you you traded like the one player who was probably your best option at point guard for a backup center. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, hey, this guy was like, you know, heart and soul guy. He's He, he knows how to run the offense. The, the players seem to love him. Good locker room guy. Let's move him for a backup center. All right. Well, I don't get it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't – the moves don't make any sense to me. I do. I will say, though, that it was a big, uh, a great signing of Reggie Jackson to Denver. I really like that. I feel like that's a – a nice little uh, come up for Denver after, you know, the whole bone situation didn't work out. Unfortunately, it's a nice, a nice veteran signing. I think he's going to be valuable for them in the playoffs. 
Yeah, yeah. Denver made some some small moves. They added um, they signed Reggie Jackson uh, until you know like veterans minimum. I think um, they they traded for Thomas Bryant. They they desperately needed a backup center. They they couldn't keep playing DeAndre Jordan. So I kind of like that move. They didn't make, do anything big, um, but when you're like number one in the West by up up four games, you're not really trying to reinvent the wheel, right? So a um, couple other quick hits. Knicks traded out Josh Hart for basically Cam Reddish. They had to send a first-round pick with Reddish to Portland. Um, Hart's been really good for them, but you know I don't love any team. Um, attaching a first round pick to get a player unless it's a huge upgrade. So I don't know that that was, that was puzzling, but I mean, I think, I think Josh Hart does fit a little more that with the Knicks culture. Um, I know he's a good, good friends with, with uh, Jalen Brunson as well. Um, other quick hits. I mean, the, the, the Grizz, as I mentioned, added Kennard. Um, the Bucks added Jay Crowder. Um, you know, Sixers traded Matisse Seibel. I think they got back, um, one of the McDaniels. <laughs> I can't remember which one. There's a couple McDaniels in the league. Uh, they got back one of them. I can't remember if it's Jalen or Jaden. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the Bulls, uh, did nothing, uh, which I feel like I had to mention here. Um, any thoughts about any of those like smaller deals? I, I don't really consider those to be huge needle movers, really. Um, the, I will say the Bulls not doing anything and, and the Raptors actually deciding to add to their team with with getting Pirtle. Those are the two kind of big surprises to me. But yeah, you, you two, Chicago natives, what are your... Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Go ahead, Deuce. About the Bulls, I think uh, they're in basketball hell right now. They're playing very, very um, poorly, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, they lost again tonight, uh, which is Thursday. Uh, it's very uh, disheartening because last year at this time, they were a top four seed in the East with Lonzo Ball, and that kind of spiraled everything to kind of go into a ball of flames. I think that um, AK and Mark Beversley hasn't, have not done a great job in terms of adding on to the team. They had some deficiencies in terms of outside shooting. They needed wing help, and they didn't really do that in the offseason. They signed Goran Grodgic and Andre Drummond, which are actually very, very respectable pickups. Uh, they're having pretty decent years. Drummond doesn't hardly play because of you know his play style with um, Billy Donovan, but when he's in there, he's getting... Eight, nine, ten rebounds in his seven minutes. So he's getting, and Dragic is just playing very well, you know, distributing the ball, hitting an occasional three here and there. But they had the fifth season where, you know, they're in the positions of their wings and they didn't really address that. And part of that can be ownership. Um, it's come out lately in Chicago through Lawrence Holmes and other reporters in Chicago that Jerry might be, Jerry Dreinsworth, that is, might be holding off on spending money. Uh, Casey Johnson actually came out and said that they were never going to. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe Colley, who's a Bulls beat reporter, actually came out and said that Jerry Reinsdorf and company were never going to spend over the tax limit for this team um, because they don't see them as a contender. So there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to be answered in the offseason. 
a lot of rumors that Zach Levine could be traded. I mean, we talked about it in our group chat about him possibly going to the Knicks, uh, even though I didn't like that package for him. But, I mean, we're smoke, there's fire. And right now, there's a big issues between Zach Levine and Billy Donovan. And Billy Donovan seems to be more on management side because he just got extended. And from other people in Chicago, I hate to keep name, name dropping, but David Kaplan already said that the locker room is all for Billy Donovan except Zach Levine. And his issue with him is that he got benched during a game in Orlando. Uh, also, Zach Levine has been reported as saying he's good where he goes. He got paid already. <laughs> so um, it's going to be a blow up because I don't think DeMar is going to want to be here when Zach's gone. It looks like Vooch is going to be the man that's going to stay because they are going to probably talk contract with them. They didn't trade anybody at the deadline. They're the, they're the only team in the NBA not to make a post-deadline or deadline trade. The Cleveland Cavaliers were the other one, but they actually picked up somebody that was released. The Bulls have not done anything. Um, Cavs got Danny Green, I think. Yes, yes, Danny they got Green. Danny Green. And uh, the rumor is that Kevin Love might be coming off the books for the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers as a buyout option. And people are saying the Bulls aren't interested because they need wing help. And I don't see Kevin Love coming to the Bulls because why would you when you're in your last years in the NBA? You would want to go to a winner. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of in NBA hell right now. I want to see. I, I'm not totally sold out on the front office like Matt is. I think that I have to give him a chance because they did come into a weird situation with Garpax. But if they're not getting any control from their ownership, then you know they're going to be in the same situation the Sox are. where They're just going to be mediocre. Yeah, I would say uh, I'm. I was kind of surprised that Cleveland didn't make a more substantial move because of pretty much it seems like everybody seems to agree, uh, no matter who you listen to or read read their column that uh, that that three spot, the small forward spots, a spot that's kind of their deficiency. And I mean, you you add Danny Green, I think he's fine. I'm not a big Danny Green guy, as you guys always like to laugh about. But uh, I mean, you need wing help. He's a good. He's a shooter when he's out there. You're not going to depend on him to win you games or, you know what I mean, score you 15 points. So he's fine. You know, spot up three, come off the bench. That's fine. I have a problem with that. But you feel like they they could have maybe been more aggressive in getting like a, you know, a, a Finney Smith caliber player. You know what I mean? Something to that effect. Or, yeah, or maybe calling about uh, certain players that were out there and saying, hey, can we get, can we get uh, you know, whatever, insert the name here. But they didn't do that, so that was kind of surprising for me. Uh, but in terms of the Bulls, like uh, it's 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 kind of funny how far it's fallen because I want to say I think all three of us. I could be wrong though. I know me and Deuce did. I think Pat. I think you did too. We all had uh, uh, Arturas Karnisova uh, as our executive of the year last year, and then I feel like it's kind of been the opposite type of season. For for them this year, the Lonzo Ball thing is just a cloud that's hanging over the entire team. It's really getting to the point where I'm starting to question if he's even going to have a, an NBA career anymore. Uh, I'm starting to get like uh, Brandon Roy vibes, which is very unfortunate uh, because he was an All Star caliber player. And I'm not saying his career is over, but it's very likely that he might be he might never be the type of player that he was before he got injured because this is just all bad news. When a guy's missing two years, basically, that's not good, especially for a young player, too. So, I mean, it's really worrisome, which was sad because that was a great signing. So when you lose him, 
the Bulls are uh, one of the worst defensive teams. Uh, they have no no size. Their front court is um, undersized. Their wing depth, their bench depth is not there. So when you have a team that's undersized, it doesn't play defense. It's not really a good recipe for success. When you're missing, you know, your the someone to orchestrate your offense who is a good defender. So, I mean, there's that. They're kind of not in a good spot. So, me personally, I want to see what uh, Carney Solas can do with one more year. See if he can turn it around. But, I mean, the one thing that's being talked about a little bit more now, which is rightfully so, is that 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 Vucevic trade just completely destroyed your franchise. It really did. I mean, I mean, you gave up so much for a player who's he's a fine player, but he doesn't for what you gave up. You needed a guy who was a superstar. You need a Kevin Durant type of talent or a very a guy who's just gonna lift your team up. And he's not that kind of player. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, like he's just not. And what you gave up from is you're seeing that. Um, I was watching the game where they're playing the Magic, and you know, Stacey King, who we all love, was saying, Oh, the Magic are going to be a really good team in one or two years. I'm like, Yeah, because the Bulls gave them all that to make them a good team in one or two years. Like a lot of their, like uh, half of their starting lineup, the Bulls was what's from the Bulls. So, I mean, it was a, it was a horrible trade. I, I think that it needs to come into account. So, for me, I'm 50 50 on the front office right now. I'd give him one more year because I think he's, I don't think he's a bad GM. I just think that move was so disastrous that it set your franchise back for several years and now you're trying to climb back to get to where you were and the ball the ball injury doesn't help so like i said i'm not completely out on the front office but that move was devastating and the ball injury is devastating i mean you kind of have to have everything go right and everything did not so i mean it is what it is at this point we'll see what happens in the off season but judging by what we're hearing if they're not going to you know, sign any, you know, uh, big contracts for players that can help you right now, then I don't really know what you do. Yeah. The thing I always come back to, the the Bulls are, it's just a what if, because it's like their starting lineup could have been this season. Wendell Carter at center, Damar at one of the forward spots, Markinen at another forward spot, Franz Wagner at another forward spot, and then Levine. Um, you know, the, all three of those guys at one point, they could have drafted Wagner with the pick they gave up to, to Orlando. Um, but but Carter, Markinen were both were both drafted by them, and they just they have been really productive players uh, in, on other teams. So that to me is the thing that hurts. Is like they they kind of gave up some really good young pieces um, just to kind of get to this place, um, you know, where you're kind of, yeah, like, like Deuce said in hell, <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not going to be competing for the top pick for Victor Wembanyama. You're not going to be competing for a championship. Um, they're out outside the play in right now. So it's, it's pretty disappointing. I'm sure it's got to be tough for, for Bulls fans. I got a, a quick question for you, homie. So, Deuce had asked me when we were talking about the Bulls a few days ago, maybe. He goes, so he's like, so who do you think are the best teams in the East? And I was like, well, or he's like, what makes Milwaukee so good? So I gave my answer. And he goes, what would the Bulls have to do to get to that Milwaukee where it's a perennial contender every year? And I gave my thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts on this, homie. Like, where would you, like, if you, let's say, you're okay, you're the GM of the Bulls. What do you do? 
Like, how do you build this team to make it a, you know, a Boston, Philly, Milwaukee type of roster? Which, I mean, it's not going to be done overnight, but what would you do? Like, what do you think? Okay, what's our needs? How do we build this to a title contender every year? Um, In order to be a title contender, you typically have to have a top 10 player on your team to build around. Uh, The Bulls don't have that. Um, I don't see any of the players on that team becoming top 10 players at any point. So I'd blow it up. I'd sell off all my pieces and start over and try to draft and develop. Um, the Bucks are good because they have Giannis. Everything else that come that that came, you know, trading for uh, Holiday. I mean, they had Middleton too, but trading for Holiday, getting Brooke Lopez, re-signing Bobby Portis, like they made because they know we have the guy who can get it done. Uh, you know, same thing in, in Philly. If you think about Embiid in Boston, they got Tatum, right? That's what the bulls are missing. Um, they don't, they don't know who they're building around. I mean, they, they brought in DeMar, but they didn't, they're not building around DeMar really. I mean, they don't, their team doesn't really make sense around him that much. You got another no defense like shoot like volume score in Levine. That's not like the best fit. You've got a, a no defense center in Vucevic. I, you know, they, they, they need to, and I'm not saying they should build around tomorrow. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He was all NBA last year, more than deserved it, but you know, I don't know. He's at age 34, 35. And I don't know if that's what you want to be doing right now, especially when the top of the East is loaded. So I would honestly just blow it up try to get some good young players at strike gold in the draft. Um, you know, and it's not even like you have to have a top three pick. Like we've seen great players go all over, you know, the lottery. So, um, but I just don't, I don't really, I definitely don't get doing what they're doing now and just like being in 11th place, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, with a team that doesn't really make sense, doesn't play defense, doesn't seem to be too cohesive. I don't know. I just wouldn't really try to keep this core together if if I was them. Yeah. My, I mean, mine was basically that to an extent, but if you don't want to blow it up, then you need to shore up your front court. If you look at all the top teams in the East, which is obviously the conference the Bulls are in, they all have a great front court or a superstar at a front court position. The Bucs have Giannis and Brook Lopez and Bobby Portis off the bench. Philly has Embiid, who's the second best center to me in the league. And then you look at Boston, which has Robert Williams when he's there, he's healthy. Even, even if you look at Big Al, he's a nice guy who can, you know what I mean, give you some minutes, which, you know, they have a good defensive team. They have good defenders. So they either have superstars in the front court on the top Eastern teams, or they have great defenders in their front court. And the Bulls don't have that. So I would build on that. Find somebody who is a good defender or a couple of good defenders to get your front court started and and sign some wings who can three and D wings is what you need desperately. And the Bulls don't have that either. I mean, one of their best defenders is Javante uh, Green, who's like six three. I mean, he's he's been hurt for a while, but that's not gonna get it done. Most of the you know, even the 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 Point guards and the two guards are like six five. Most of them are nowadays. You know what I mean. So that's not going to get it done. So sure up the defense, sure up the front court, add some more three and D wings, and hope for the best. But if you want to blow it up, yeah, I get that too. But if you don't want to, 
because you're you know afraid about ticket sales or whatever. I don't know. Then then you then you sure up your defense and your front court. That's what I would say. But I mean, it's not a great spot to be in. Um, I, I can't say unless another superstar just wants out and they can land them for something. It's not looking too good right now. I don't think another superstar is going to come here. I just. I, I don't see a way of them unless they do a trade, which I don't think uh, is feasible right now. Um, I think they re-sign Vooch to have a big man and hope they can hit on a pick. Um, and I, I don't know if it's going to happen, like because there's just there's not many KDs out there. I mean, John Morant's like there's not many John Morant's coming, you know, to the draft that the Bulls can snag. It's just. I was hoping that maybe Lonzo would come back, but I honestly see Lonzo maybe getting traded to just cut his salary. Um, I do know that once Zach Levine got paid, he's not the same player he was when he was here. Uh, and if they're going to blow it up, just build around, I guess, Vooch and Patrick Williams, and hopefully you can get somebody in the picks. But they're not getting rid of Vooch. As much as you hate him, they're not getting rid of him, or else they would have traded him. <laughs> that's a thing. Like That's how I know they're going to resign him. Because and let, they're not they're not gonna Cubs they're gonna uh, they're um gonna resign him and the, the contract negotiations are starting up again so I don't know if you sign for two years it's not horrible but you're gonna have to get something you have to keep him here or sign and trade but you are not you're losing him is you basically just gave away your picks for nothing. I mean, I know it's a totally different situation, but some teams just gotta say, hey, we missed on that and move on. I mean, look at Golden State. I don't agree with it, but they moved on from Wiseman. It's like, you know, we took him over LaMelo Ball. It is what it is. Let's move on. But also, they're from a position of strength where they have a generational talent, and they just won the title last year. So, I mean, it's not really a great example, but you feel me, though, right, Pat? Like, it's, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, I mean, it is what it is at this point with the Bulls. Um, I mean, I, I mean, either way, I'm down for it. We're, I mean, we grew up, that's our hometown team, but... I would. I do really miss the 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 teams that were competing for the title. You know, I mean, it's 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 sad and like a big market, kind of a cornerstone franchise to me. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about it. Uh, the NBA is better when teams like the Bulls, the Knicks, Boston, Philly, unfortunately the Lakers. You know, what I mean, when they're good, the league is better. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's more, you know, it draws in more fans. The basketball is usually better. I mean, we love the small market teams too, but we're talking about the casual fan. The league grows more when those high, big market teams are really good. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a shame, um, and especially after like they it, it switched so fast, right? Like they went from like being surprisingly good last year to then there were pretty high expectations and now they're just like, eh. So it's been kind of a roller coaster the last couple of years with this team. Yeah. Any, the NBA hell. <laughs> yeah. Any, any final thoughts on any, uh, any trade deadline stuff that I missed that you, you all really want to talk about before we move on and let, uh, uh, let chef deuce into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do a little uh, let's do a little hoops hot stove here. All right. Well, we're gonna do uh, since we have honor- honorary homie uh, 
uh, Deuce, aka Lil Yomper, on the show. Uh, we're gonna let him put on a chef hat and get on get on the hot stove here. He's got his 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 piping hot grill, like uh, you know, in all the best uh, Chicago hot dog places. Uh, Deuce, I want you to talk a little bit um, about kind of what you felt. You're you're not as like you're not as maybe committed of a of a like basketball fan is Matt or I. So the trade deadline stuff, uh, I know you have some thoughts about it being someone who pays a lot of attention to football and baseball. Um, I, I'm curious what you think of the state of the NBA of the league of how trades work nowadays um, in, you know, the players role, the team's roles. Um, so yeah, go ahead and take it away. So, uh, First of all, let me like start by saying this. I am a huge proponent and supporter of unions. I think that players all across all leagues should be paying more money. And I believe that owners' power should be taking away in terms of how players, where they go and whatnot, in terms of um, how they should get paid, when they should get paid, and how much they should get paid. Because there's billionaire owners and there's players who are very underpaid that bring them all that revenue. With that said, uh, there's an issue going around with the NBA right now, not in just in terms of uh, trades, but there's also an issue in terms of um, fan experience. Uh, I saw today that there's actually a, NBA actually is in a drop by 20% in fan engagement with teams due to players switching teams so often. And this is a twofold pr problem. In 1999, when the CBA, remember we had that lockout, uh, Owners did not want to give uh, players the power to make these massive deals. So what they did was they limited players getting four to five years, um, which in turn worked great for the player because they can go through multiple times of the free agency through their career. And it kind of hamstrungs the ownership and teams of what they're going to do with the players. So we see a lot of players who get signed for uh, five years at max, and then they're traded within year two or three because they can demand a trading whoever they want, having such power over it. I think there needs to be an overhaul of how this is done, where players can sign for longer than four to five years again with teams and kind of give the leverage a little bit back to ownership because it's getting ridiculous how these players are moving around everywhere. I mean... The NBA trade down, yeah, it was fun, but we had people going left and right. And it's kind of crumbling to like small franchises where their star players doesn't want to be there, so they automatically demand a trade. And they're gonna get it because you have to trade them early. You can't trade them when they're when they're lower and lower to other years of their contract because you're not gonna get as much in value in terms of value. Uh the KD thing is just a perfect example of it. They trade them in year two of a five-year deal. Uh Kyrie Irving is, you know, the uh Outlanders, you know, the one that that stands out, but he's also a piece of trash, so it doesn't really matter. But it's getting kind of ridiculous how this is going in terms of the NBA's transitioning. You're giving a lot of power to the players. I mean, you got players that are playing GM, aka LeBron. You got players, you know, which is something that's fine. Like, my, I'm from the Michael Jordan era, and Michael told who he wanted, but he also got told, hey, we're not going to keep your buddy Scott uh, Charles Oakley, we're giving him away, and we're going to draft this guy named Scotty Pippen. You know, so there are things like that out there, or but there has to be like a happy medium in terms of keeping players here and kind of winding down on the crazy trade. So I don't want it to go back to David Stern style of where David Stern told the 
you know, Lakers, you can't trade. I believe it was Chris Paul. You can't trade for no. It was somebody from, and when they tried to do that yeah. game, it was Chris Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't yep, trade like for Chris Paul. Trying to get Chris Paul. Yeah, but I also don't want it to be where, uh, hey, I don't want to be here. I don't like the way it looks here. I don't want to be here. So trade me right away. Even though I just signed this, Ala Zach Levine. Like I just signed this max deal for forty five million dollars a year. Well, yeah, I'm capped at how much I'm making a year, but I'm only signed for four years, so I can go wherever I want and demand trades because. You're gonna to have to trade me because your value, my value is not gonna be as great, and that doesn't really matter about me. Like you're giving complete control over the uh, the uh, player, and you, sometimes you can't have the inmates run the asylum. You have to have a happy medium between ownership and the player. And like I said, I want it to be favorable where the players are gonna get theirs in terms of fees and money, and you know have everything's coming to them. But they also have to be willing to work with ownership in terms of, hey, we can sign longer contracts. We can maybe say you can't get traded within the first three years of that contract, that contract, something like that, which just sounds ridiculous, but they're probably going to have to do that because not only when you see all these people jumping around, fans start to lose interest because if you think about it through any sport, you're always, you have that fan that, uh, you know, that is in love with, you know, I'll do it with the Cubs. I love Sammy Sosa or I love Ron Sano or Ryan Sandberg played his whole career with the Cubs. You know, you like those players who are there for so long and it's not something that's common these days. But you would want them to have longevity there to build up that rapport with your fan to get the fan to come to the game. Now, if I'm just training away my superstars every year because they don't want to be here or they think want something better and they have that power, fan interest is going to be at an all-time low. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we now have like I saw a credit card promotion, maybe a commercial for a credit card that was like, if you buy it, if you buy an NBA jersey with this credit card, and your 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 player gets traded, we'll refund it, or like we'll 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 switch it out for a different one. So it's like you know, like even the like advertising partners of the NBA understand that it's gone off the rails. Like they literally like have promotions based on this shit, where it's like, yeah, don't worry if you buy uh, you know, your your Giannis Bucks jersey and he gets traded to the Lakers, we'll we'll refund you for that. And it's like, maybe we should fix the underlying problem, <laughs> right? Um, which is that, yeah, l- listen, NBA players have it better than players in, in any other league. Now, now baseball, they can get the long contracts. So I, I get that. They get the 10-year, 12-year, crazy big. But like you said, Deuce, the, the hoops players, they first of all, it's a 50% revenue split between players and owners, which is more generous than, than other sports leagues. I mean, in a lot of other leagues, the owners are making way more, especially like the NFL. So it's a 50% revenue split. That's really generous. Um, and you know, you know, no, yes, your, your, your contracts are capped at five years, but you're, you're hitting the market and every single year you, you like player contracts go up. I mean, we just talk, we're talking about Zach Levine. He's getting 45 million a year. That would have been absolutely unheard of for like what I, who I would call borderline all-star getting that kind of money 10 years ago, but that's just how it is now. So it, it, it has gone off the rails. I, a lot of people who, you know, are kind of have their ear to the ground on this stuff. Like the next CBA is going to be really interesting. It's coming up. We might, we might see another lockout because I don't think the owners are going to keep taking this shit, you know? And, and I'm with you, Deuce. Like I'm not going to be siding with some billionaire and like, 
standing up for some billionaire, but you know, it is a job. You signed a contract, like, you know, and you're just going to decide like you, you don't want to do it anymore. Like there's also part of me that's like, get over it. The rest of us do this all the time. Like you, you agreed to like, you think I can just like show up to a, a you know, get a mortgage on a house and show up to the bank and be like, I'm out of here. Like I want out. <laughs> like, no, like, you know, uh, it's a business and you're signing a contract for a reason. So I think the only way you can ever make this work or, or ever make this stop, got to penalize guys. Got to penalize guys for sitting out, uh, doing holdouts, um, fine them. Got to penalize them for publicly asking for a trade, like like um, somehow expanding tampering rules to, to cover that, like for players to not, you know, lobby for trades. Um, and... And yeah, like trade penalties, honestly, like if we, if we, you know, if you demand a trade, um, you get this, this amount of fine, you know, this amount of, of money taken off your deal or something like that. I think there, there are ways they can do it. Uh, the players are not going to want to give, give up what they have, but the owners are not going to just keep you know, Joe Sai is going to show up to this next CBA negotiation and be like, fucking bullshit. Like, I'm not giving you, like, we're not giving you all anything else. You have no, you don't, we can't count on you to stick around for one year. Um, so it, it is going to have to change. Something's going to have to give. Um, and yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm with you, Deuce. I love the NBA, but it, it really treats its fans like shit. I mean, in terms of, Small markets get just like, just, you know, over, just overcome by the big, big markets. Um, players just sit out games to rest, like trying to go see your favorite player at a game. It's like toss up whether they'll even play most of the time. Um, unless you you're lucky like me and you got, you got Jokic who plays 75 games a year, but you know, it, between that and like players just moving around and getting whatever they want. I, I mean, just if I'm a fan, I'm like, wait, what, what am I paying for here? Like, you know, why am I paying however much for league pass or however much for these tickets or however much for this Jersey? Um, why am I have the cable subscription to watch the local, the local team? I'm with you. Um, it, it, it has gotten kind of ridiculous, but um, yeah, Matt, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm with both of you. I think that, um, I think the two biggest problems in the NBA, which of course we all love. Um, I will say this for listeners: uh, baseball is Deuce's favorite sport, it's his first love. But Deuce knows Deuce knows his hoops. He really does. We talk hoops every single day. Deuce knows his hoops. He loves hoops. He's just baseball is his first love, and it is what it is. But he does know his hoops. That's why we have him on the show. We love having him on. And while we don't always agree, especially me and him about some things with the Bulls and things like that. It's always a good conversation. He knows his stuff. So I will say that. Um, but, yeah, for me, the two biggest problems with the NBA is that is uh, the, the players' movement, the player movements to me, and then load management. So for me, with the player movement, I, I'm all for player empowerment. But for me, to kind of make it easier for fans or for these franchises who kind of commit to these players, um, like let's, um, let's just use an example of, the Washington Wizards, right? Not, not necessarily a small market, 
but not a huge market either. They're, you know what I mean? They're DC, so it's a it's a nice size market, right? Um, but it's not you know New York, LA, Chicago. So they signed Bradley Beal, fifty plus million a year, five years, two hundred fifty plus million dollars. And the talk all through this, which he just signed it last year, was he wants to get his money first. He's content with that, and then we'll see what happens in a couple years. So. Teams are kind of like, well, we can lose them for nothing or hopefully keep them for a couple of years and then have to trade them. So for me, I would say something in the CBA of maybe for the first half of your contract, you can't be traded. So if you sign a five-year deal for the first two years plus half of the next season of your third year in your contract, you can't be traded. Maybe something like that where it still gets these players to get the short contracts they want, so, you know, hit the market at top value, but it still protects the teams a little bit where I'm signing you for a five-year deal. At least I know for two and a half years, you're going to be on my team. You know what I mean? So, again, I think it works out both for both sides. It still lets players do what they want, but it gives um, the fan bases and ownership a little bit of a, a little bit of a leeway here. I think, I think that's fair. So there's that. And then load management to me is just, uh, an absolute disaster. Like I went to go see the Thunder, which is the only game I'm gonna probably go to this year. It was um, the day before Christmas Eve. It was obviously December, and I went to go see the Pelicans. I had bought my tickets two months in advance, maybe in October. I want to say maybe, and I'm like, oh, the Pelicans are coming to town. Uh, I want to see Zion. You know what I mean? I want to see. I want to see him play. I want to see these guys who I don't see all the time. They're on the, you know, so. And I never seen Zion live. And I get there, he's out, you know, load management. Ingram's out. He's kind of been banged up all year. But it was really disappointing. I'm like, wow. And I came here to kind of see. I mean, I got to see, you know, our guy, um, uh, Jose Alvarado, which I love. So I was happy to see that and he had a good game. But like, I mean, I want to see if I'm just, I mean, I'm, I love hoops. So it doesn't really matter. I, I can watch a blowout game and still get a lot of enjoyment for it, seeing like bench players play. But if I'm a casual fan, and I, I'm going to see the Pelicans because I'm, I'm, I know my one game a year I get to go to, and I want to see Zion play. He's one of the best players in the league, the most exciting players in the league. He's not playing. I spent all this money. The tickets aren't that expensive, depending on where you sit. But you got to think about the transportation or the parking. If you want to get concessions, if you want to buy, you know, merchandise, if you want to, you know, if you want to, if you're uh, an adult and you want to get a beverage, you know what I mean? It, it's a lot of money. So you're spending a lot of money, even if you're sitting in, you know, the 300 level, which is where I sat, because, I mean, it's all about the game to me. I don't really care where I sit. But you got to take into account all the money these fans, these fans are paying, you know, $100 plus, you would think about, you know what I mean? Which for some people, that's a lot. That's something that they can't just do and just, you know, give it and do it all the time. So it's kind of like a, a night out. So if you're thinking about that, it's not a good experience for the average fan, which is what all these markets want to retain is to get the casual fan to become a diehard fan. And by having these stars not play, it's not helpful or having guys move like, okay, what if you're uh, if you're a Nets, you bought Nets season tickets when they signed uh, Irving and Durant, or you got Nets season tickets when they traded for Harden for the next year, you got season tickets. Like, well, there goes that, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, the two, the two biggest problems for me, like I said, load management and 
too much player movement where it's to the detriment of fans who want to see these guys play in their hometown. Those are the two biggest problems for me. That's how I would combat it. I mean, I don't know. I would get your guys' thoughts on load management. How do you fix that? I was talking to Pat one time, maybe like the way the NFL has an independent team of neurologists who kind of check for concussions. Maybe there could be an independent team physician assigned to every single team who will, can be able to diagnose if these players are actually hurt or if they're just quote unquote resting or and or build something into their contracts where you have to play a minimum amount of games where your salary will be docked however many games you're not playing if it's not an injury or if you're going to miss a game you have to miss three minimum so if you're going to sit out for rest you got to miss three and if you miss those three that's three game checks you're missing then we can do it because everybody's like oh well shorten the season to 60 games i'm like okay if they shorten the season to 60 games then the players will play 45 games a season <laughs> instead of 60 or 55. That's not going to fix the problem to me. But yeah, your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I do think they play too many games. I don't think there's any reason that it needs to be 82. I think 60 is too few, but I would say 70, 72 games, just shorten it a little bit. Um, now, that's the thing. The owners will never agree to that because that's however many millions of dollars left less each year from TV rights and gate you know gate sales and and merchandise bought at the stadium and concessions so they'll never agree to that um so yeah you have to start kind of you it, it has to be about money it, it, it with guys this rich you have to like hurt their their earnings and yeah i, I think like yeah if you're gonna sit out like you don't get a game check um you know uh, unless yeah you have a specific your injury has been verified that, that that's, that's a good way to do it. Or yeah. Like if you're going to sit out, you got to sit out three games. I think that's, that's a nice way to do it. But um, I mean, ultimately the, what's happening is the coaching staff and front office are listening to the medical staff and the medical staffs telling them the best way to keep these people healthy is for them to play less. And so if that's the case, you know, I kind of feel like I'm with you, Matt. I don't think like shortening it is going to be the only fix, but I think it'll contribute to some of it. I mean, 82 games. I mean, that the, is a lot to play every season. Um, you know, that's, that's a long season uh, of, of a pretty intense sport. So I don't know. It, it's definitely a huge issue though. They've got to do something, you know, we're not paid to fix this. There are people paid a lot more, a lot more than us in the NBA who are paid to figure this out. But they're going to keep seeing their viewership drop, their attendance numbers drop, um, less engaged fan engagement. You know, the writing's on the wall. So it's kind of the balls in in the NBA's court right now to figure this out. And I will add this really quick before we get Deuce's thoughts. Uh, load management is not just a player problem; it's an organizational problem too. Because there are some times where players are like hey, more, more an organizational problem than a player. Yeah, I, I think so. there's some players like you know, we can we don't want to name any names, but we're like, yeah, it's a back to back. I'm not going to play, and we know who we're talking about here. Um, but organizations like, no, you're not going to play. We're like, well, I want to play. No, you can't, because our team says you can't. So it's it's a systemic problem. It's not just players saying I don't want to play. It's the the team, the coaching staff, the medical staff, everything. It's a huge problem that needs to be fixed. So I just don't want. I didn't want to make it seem like I'm putting it all on the players. 
the organizations have a lot of say in this too, and they're at fault. Your thoughts, Deuce? No, I totally agree. Uh, it's load management's becoming kind of a joke, like you said. Um, with all this technology out there in the, you know, world, I mean, as much as I hate LeBron James, the guy spends like $7 million on his body to keep his body going. And he also takes like, you know, he decides, oh, I'm going to break the scoring record. And then, oh, I can't take, you know, play the next three games. So, but I'm okay to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, stuff like that, like, it's just kind of annoying. I think there needs to be a better, uh, you know, linkage between science and player health. And not every player is going to be able to afford that much money to spend on their body. But I think if you're not going to, you know, players are not going to play, then you start implementing um, play clauses in their contracts. You got to play this amount of money, you get this amount of games to get paid this amount of money. Guaranteed. If injury, then you have to work something out. But, you know, you got to at least play this amount of games a season because it's getting kind of ridiculous that, especially the Bulls, the Bulls are pretty expensive tickets. And if you go and like, Damar and Zach are, don't really sit, but if you went and they all, and say Samar, Zach, and Vooch saw that one game, you're basically watching the B squad for a premium ticket. Now, that's the, the risk that we take as fans, but it's happening more and often. And LA, the LA Clippers, I don't even know when Kawhi plays. Like, I'm surprised when he plays like more than 20 minutes. You know, it's getting kind of ridiculous that players are just controlling the narrative that they can't play. And the funny part is, players are getting hurt more now than they did when they played the full 82 game season balls to the wall. <laughs> could that be could players conditioning? I don't know. And if we're evolving as humans with our athleticism, with our science, that's something that needs to be answered. For sure. Hopefully the NBA figures something out to, uh, to, to be able to address this, but um, yeah, I mean, there's as much talent in the league as, as, there ever has been in my lifetime and it's a shame that we just you know you can't really count on seeing it night to night i mean it's just it's too much um and yeah there's just there's just too many that they have to find a way to disincentivize it because right now teams say "Eh, why should i you know i want them healthy for the playoffs and you know it's a back-to-back and you know, our sports science guy said this is better. So, yeah, you know, I, I gave this guy a $200 million contract. I'm not going to risk it. You got to find a way to disincentivize that kind of thinking. Um, you know, they're paid to play. Um, and so if they're healthy, they should play. If Michael Jordan could do it in the 90s, getting his ass kicked by the bad boys Pistons every playoffs, I think, you know, there's got to be a way that that current players can do it. So, Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that topic, Deuce. Definitely resonated uh, for sure. But um, yeah, let's let's go ahead and move on our our final uh, uh, hoop segment for the day. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about All Star Weekend, which is coming up this weekend. Uh, it is Thursday, February sixteenth, and the festivities will begin um, tomorrow, Friday, but really on Saturday in earnest. Um, so we've got a couple of events, um, that we're going to pick, uh, for, uh, you know, going to pick winners for, I do want to go through real quick, just cause we had talked a little bit on an earlier episode about, um, you know, first fan vote returns. I want to just go through the all-star rosters, um, so far and the teams are not picked yet. 
um, because they now have a captain system and that's going to happen right before the game. But I just want to quickly go through who ended up getting voted in as starters, who ended up getting voted in as uh, reserves. Um, so uh, for the Eastern Conference, uh, basically, uh, the number one vote getter was Giannis. So he was the number one kind of choice. The rest of the starters selected were Kyrie Irving at guard, Donovan Mitchell at guard, um, Jason Tatum at, four, at front court, and Kevin Durant is front court. Um, Kevin Durant will not be playing. And so his spot he, in the starting lineup is being replaced by Joel Embiid who deserves to be in the starting lineup. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. There's four really good, four great front, front court players in the East, and one of them wasn't going to be able to make it, but Durant's not playing, so he uh, they, they just plugged in Joel Embiid in the, in the starting lineup. Um, to take Joel Embiid's place on the bench, essentially the NBA added Pascal Siakam. Um, so he's he he's who was added. Other players on the bench for the Eastern Conference: Bam Adebayo from the Heat, Jalen Brown, uh, Demar Derozan, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle. So that's the Eastern Conference team. Um, any thoughts about about any of those any of those spots? Anything seem ridiculous or anyone on there that you think shouldn't be on there, or anyone not on there who you think? should be on I, i'm a little surprised uh why the nobody from the sun did it besides kevin, i mean kevin durant i guess could be considered a son but it's that, was crazy just, that was just the eastern conference i went oh, oh i'm sorry i'm sorry you'll see you'll see <laughs> for the west uh, i mean i'll say yeah i agree with deuce on that we'll talk about that when we get to the west but yeah just based on the east uh i don't think irving should have been a starter he wasn't a starter for me and then uh, I don't want to say snub because, I mean, I don't know, but I'm kind of surprised that uh, Jalen Brunson didn't get to make the team. Yeah. He's having a he's having a great year. Uh, the Knicks are, the Knicks are, um, you know, playing very well right now, better than even most would have thought. So I thought maybe he would get some more love in that that All Star spot um, instead of somebody somebody else. You know, take your pick who you would take off. But that was a surprising one for me. I will say I don't really understand why we still do positions but i'll talk about that after we name the teams but uh yeah anybody you thought uh could have or should have made it or should be starting instead pat uh i mean i'm with you i would have had i would have had brunson in over randall i mean i think both are having good years but brunson has been great i was a little surprised about drew holiday making it to be honest not that he's you know he's he's a good player but um, I was a little surprised Jimmy Butler's not on here. He did miss a bunch of games. I get it, but he is, you know, one of the best players in the league, I think. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. Darius Garland, he missed a bunch of time, but kind of feel like there should be more cat like calves on here, either Jared Allen or Darius Garland, maybe. Um, but I mean, I I'm not too mad about any of these picks. These are all really good players in, in my mind. Um Going over to the Western Conference, LeBron James is the number one vote getter, so he is the captain. The original starting lineup was LeBron as at the front court, Luca in there as a guard, um, John ja Morant 
in there, uh, or Steph Curry, excuse me, in there as a guard. Um, and then Jokic in a front court and Zion in the front court. Steph and Zion are not going to be playing. So the new, so Ja Morant and Laurie Markkinen replaced them. So the new starting lineup is Ja and uh, Luca at guard, LeBron, Laurie Markkinen, and Jokic at the front court spots. And then um, replacing Curry and Williamson, um, their injury replacements are Anthony Edwards and De'Aaron Fox, two guys who I thought were very deserving. Um, and then other players voted in were Paul George, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, or Shy Gilgis-Alexander. I don't know how it is. There's been some debate about that recently. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dame Lillard, and DeMontis Sabonis. So Edwards and Fox were uh, additions, injury replacements. Um, to me, the biggest snub of the whole thing was De'Aaron Fox not making it originally. He's having an awesome year. Um, I would have had him in over... To be honest, I'd have him in over Paul George. Uh, I'd have him in probably over Sabonis, his teammate, um, over Jackson Jr. for sure. I think the only guys I'd, I'd have above him um, besides the starters were, yeah, Gildress Alexander and Dame Lillard just because he's having an awesome year. But I'm glad to see Aunt Edwards made his first all-star and De'Aaron Fox made his first all-star. It's good to see those two young guys get a chance. And they're fun players. They're, they're good fits for the all-star game. So Western Conference, uh, any any thoughts? Any We didn't have like an Andrew Wiggins starter this year um, like we did last year where it was totally out of the blue. But did any of that – does all of that kind of track with what you all thought? It should be. Go ahead, Deuce. Yeah, I mean, except the fact that uh, um, nobody from the Suns made it. <laughs> I just think it's weird. Yeah, I mean, Booker absolutely would have made it if he played more games. I think that's the only thing that kept him out of it. Um, he was awesome, but he he missed. Yeah, I mean, he missed probably half the season. So I'm assuming that's why he's not in there. Chris Paul, I mean, just isn't having a good year. He's he's not shooting it well. He's not scoring it well. Um, but yeah, even Aiton, you could have an argument. I do think the West was a little more loaded with star talent. Um, but yeah, it is surprising to see the Suns, who are a top four team, not have anyone in this. Um, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any besides what's been mentioned, any uh, bigger issues with it. Uh, I, the only issue I had was I had Stevie Curry being voted a starter. I didn't I didn't like that because we already knew from from jump he was not gonna start because he was hurt. So I don't really I don't really get that. And plus even before he had got this injury that he has now, uh, I don't think he deserved to be a starter over over Morantz or SGA personally. Um, I think they're having a better year. So I mean you know, a couple, you know, I had a problem, I guess you can say, with uh, with Irving and Curry starting, but I wouldn't have had them starting, but they would have made the team. But aside from that, not really. My biggest problem, I think, with the All-Star game and the teams, the way they're picked, is a little similar to my problems with, like, All-NBA and All-Defense. It's not um, – All-NBA especially. It's not, like, a real game. So, like, what is it – why are we even doing – 
conferences anymore, like players from this conference, players from that conference, because there is no more Western and Eastern All-Stars. It's a, it's a draft system now. And also, because it's a draft system, why does it matter that we have to have three front court players start and two guards start? Why can't it just be the best, I don't know, 30 players and then and the NBA, 15 on each team? That way, if somebody gets hurt, you move the other person up who got hurt. You know what I mean? From the 15. Why can't we just do that? Because theoretically, somebody could have a team, since it's a draft system, could take all front court players or predominantly all front court players or take all guards, depending on who gets drafted. So does it really matter that we have certain positions that have to be picked? Why can't it just be the best 30 players in the entire league, not from each, you know, the West and the East? And why can't it be positionless? That's just my thoughts because, like I said, it's a draft system, so does it really matter? Like, what if nobody doesn't want – what if they don't want front court players? You know what I mean? Like, what if it doesn't – what if you want all guards? And it's, it has a you know a cap on the score now, so it doesn't really matter. So, I mean, that's just my thoughts. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's terrible, but, I mean, it's kind of the questions, like, why don't we maybe move to that? So that way we're not sitting here like, well, this player from the East or this player from the West was more deserving, but they play in the other conference, which is loaded, so they can't make it. You know what I mean? So, I don't, that's just my thoughts on that. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, the the positions is stupid, and yeah, if you're gonna just be able to pick anyone from either conference, I don't see why that comes into consideration at all either. Um, yeah, thirty, but pick make make it twenty four or thirty, whatever you want to do. Best players, regardless of position. You know, I think it's it's more fun that way. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Any other other thoughts, Deuce, about about the rosters, East or West, before we get into our pickums? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I the NBA All Star Game has kind of lost its luster <laughs> for me. So that's just me. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of these types of events in any sport. To be honest, I, I don't. I don't. I don't care about Pro Bowl. I don't care about MLB All-Star. I don't care about NHL All-Star. I don't care about NBA All-Star. Um, you know, you used to at least be able like, the dunk contest used to be good. You know, that was something you could count on, <laughs> even if the game wasn't. But, you know, as we'll talk about here in a second, now we don't even get that anymore. So, <laughs> I mean, you tip, get it. It's tip in your hand there, Guru. Uh, I will yeah, say this. I, I don't so. care about the All-Star games, any sport, like the actual All-Star game. But NBA All-Star Weekend is my favorite, and it's the only one I watch because the Saturday events, which we're going to talk about, they were so much fun. Uh, I don't watch the actual All-Star game. I could care less. It's You know what I mean? It's not really my thing. I might check a few minutes of it, but uh, I like the Saturday events, like you know the three-point contests and stuff like that. It makes it a lot of fun. It's the only All-Star Weekend I actually really like, um, but not for the actual game, for the events, because it's kind of tradition. You know what I mean? Like a lot of... Uh, I feel like the NBA has a, a, the best. Uh, I mean, you could say baseball too, but the NBA has like the best, one of the best traditions when it comes to like the the uh, extra events outside of the game. They're kind of iconic, you know what I mean? The slam dunk contest, the three point contest, things like that. So I love those, not the game itself. For sure. Well, speaking of those, let's let's get into to to some of these, and we'll we'll make our picks, uh, make some predictions for 
winners for each of these. So um, th there's a lot of events that happen on All-Star Weekend. We're not going to talk about every single one. Uh, we don't need to talk about the Ruffles NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. Actually, <laughs> actually, homie, Deuce actually um, went above and beyond and actually looked at the, uh, the Celebrity Game and had thoughts oh, on God. it. So Deuce, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the Celebrity Game. He actually picked All an right, MVP, yeah. I believe, as well. So Deuce is, Deuce I gotta is hear uh, your analysis going above and beyond. The, yeah. I got to hear your analysis <laughs> of the Celebrity Game. All right, so uh, you have two teams in the celebrity game, right? One of those teams is led by, you know, the man from Chicago, who's actually from Robbins, Illinois, Dwayne Wade. And he's actually going up against a person who um, is the Utah Jazz governor and honorary captain, Brian Smith. All right, just looking at these lineups, First of all, I hate Dwayne Wade, so I automatically want him to lose. Second of all, the uh, Team Ryan has one of my favorite people to watch on TV in terms of Guillermo Rodriguez, which is from Jimmy Kimmel's correspondent. And he is my pick to win the MVP. And I just hope Dwayne Wade loses. But uh, this, this is this whole all-star, like, celebrity game is ridiculous. You have, like, a 85-year-old Albert Pujols who could barely run around the bases <laughs> uh, playing basketball, which uh, is ridiculous. You have... um. 21 Savage and all DK Metcalf playing. Like, I don't even know if his contract, you know, allows him to do it. it it's just ridiculous. Janelle Monet, Janelle Monet. Yeah. I mean, Calvin Johnson's <laughs> playing, which I think it could be kind of cool. But like the celebrities, my man, have the mighty fall. You have the Miz on there. He's from uh, yeah. a Chicago land area too. But man, like, what has happened to the NBA? celebrity game you know like just growing up i remember when they had uh you know all the boy bands and they're the boy bands play you know they had tony hawk play like now it's just people that are just either past their prime or like my guys get them like no <laughs> like ran random people yeah yeah it's, yeah uh, like i don't know half of the people honestly. yeah i don't i don't know who almost like, a lot of the people are either like half of them yeah. i have no idea who they are Yes, um, yeah. Well, I know uh, Pat was hoping for Jack Nicholson to play in the game. <laughs> he said before we started recording <laughs> to have Jack Nicholson play, but unfortunately, he's not going to be suiting up um, to all of our uh, disappointment. I wanted to see Jack Nicholson dunk on Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> he probably could. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Kevin Hart's not even playing in this game. It's like, what is going on, man? Like, I don't know. The NBA, like, that's how you can tell, like, the mighty have fallen. Nobody wants to play in your damn all-star game. Like, Yeah, it's it's definitely, yeah, it just, like, the, the, the names are just not as big as they used to. Like, you used to have true celebrities in these. Not that these people, some of them aren't famous, but it's more, like, it's just so random. Um, they have a couple of WNBA players in there as well. They've got some, like, former players in other sports like calvin johnson albert pujols it's just strange um totally. well i didn't make a pick for that because uh <laughs> I, I i didn't think it was worth it but that said uh the, the next event um the other event on friday i wanted to talk about uh the rising stars game which has taken a lot of different forms throughout the year like my earliest memory of these is it used to be um I think sophomores versus freshmen. Be, so, sophomores versus rookies, right? Like it was yeah. sophomores versus rookies. 
And then at one point they switched it to U.S. versus international players. Like that became a thing maybe like five years ago. And now what they're doing is they've got four teams and they play like a mini tournament. Um, so essentially there's four captains. They're all former players. Uh, Darren Williams, Joakim Noah, Pau Gasol, and Jason Terry are the four captains. And then on three of those teams, it's a bunch of first and second year players in the league. Um, basically all first and second years um, on team Darren, team uh, Joakim, team Pau. But then team Jason, Jason Terry has to coach a team of all G leaguers, um, which I think is an interesting choice. Um, and I think that team's going to get smoked by these other teams. Like no offense, but like, G League's not as good as the NBA, and these are some of the best young players. So, um, sorry, sorry if if either of you picked Team Terry or Team Jason to win, um, but you know it's not even like this G League team has a bunch of you know crazy talent on it. Um, I mean, it has Scoot. 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 Yeah, we got Scoot. He's gonna go number two in the draft this year, and he's gonna be awesome. But I mean, like. I, I don't know. I like Mac McClung. Like he's been, he's like, yeah. Kenneth Lofton jr. Big dunker. But I mean, these, these, these players are not really up to par of, of the players on the other teams, in my opinion, but maybe I'm tipping my hand again. Um, Matt, I'll, I'll let you kick this one off. Who do you have winning the, the rising stars challenge? Yeah. So this was actually a tough one between, uh, apologies to Team Terry, but between Team Darren, Team jo- uh, Joaquim, and Team Powell. Um, so I went with uh, the the player who's one of my favorite players of all time, and also has one of my favorite players in the league on his team. So I went with uh, I went with Team Team Joaquim. Uh, I just I mean it's 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 kind of kind of splitting hairs between this, but I mean I, I liked had 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 steady mob and Evan Mobley was on there. Yeah, good shooting with with Smith. It's kind of a, kind of a down year. Jalen Williams has been a nice surprise. Good defense with Sohan, and then Giddy's a good distributor. So I'm like, you know, it's a pretty well rounded team. I know they uh, they drafted these teams too, so it's getting drafty in here. Shout out to uh, Tana Gloves, magnificent Stan. Um, so which do so talk about later, but um, yeah, so it was a draft system again. So I'm gonna go with Team Joaquim just because. Uh, He's one of my favorite players, and uh, he has some of my favorite young players in the league on his team. So it's not not too much uh, uh, statistical analysis into it; just kind of a hunch because that you never know. For sure, Deuce. Who do you have taking the the Rising Stars Challenge? Uh, well, shout out to Io DeSumo for Chicago Bulls, who just got named to his second Rising Stars Challenge. Um, you know who I'm gonna go with, Matt. Mm. You already know who I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm going with <laughs> with my fighting Illini number three pick yeah, out of the colony, it. Texas Darren Williams team, and I'm go- actually gonna say that Trey Murphy wins the MVP. Nice. That was a tough one for you, dude. So I'm like, is he gonna go college roots with Darren Williams, or is he gonna go Bulls roots with Joakim Noah? So, uh, I mean, I get for my MVP, I'll take. Uh, I'll go Evan Mobley as my MVP of Team Joaquin. So. Nice pick, though, dude. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, Pat. Team Darren. 
Good team. They're, they got a lot. You got a lot of size on that team. Jalen Green, AJ Griffin, Bones Highland, Walker Kessler having a really nice rookie year. Trey Murphy been great for the Pels. Um, Alperin Shengun from Houston, uh, Franz Wagner. So Deuce, you're going with some size in this one. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll all, uh, Pick, pick different ones here because I'm going with Team Pow uh, for this one. Um, this team just has a lot of players I'm pretty high on in general, I would say. Jose Alvarado, uh, uh, you know, a homie, an uh, honorary, honorary homie here um, on the pod. Paolo Bencaro having a great rookie year. Scotty Barnes um, having a little bit of a down year, uh, but it's been better lately. Jaden Ivey, who's having a quietly really strong rookie campaign in Detroit. Benedict Matherin, who's been awesome for Indiana. Keegan Murray uh, for Sacramento. And Andrew Nemhard on, on Indiana as well. So I just like the overall talent on this team. Um, I think they're, you know, any one of Joakim, Darren, and Powell, um, these teams could win just depending on, you know, who's plugged in, who, you know, who plays the hardest um, just because there's a lot of talent, but I, I like, you've got a go-to scorer and Paolo, you got your, your uh, point guards in, in Alvarado and Ivy um, and even, even Nemhard. And yeah, you got a lot of shooting too. And Ivy, Matherin, uh, Murray can shoot it. Nemhard can shoot it. So um, yeah, I'm going with team, team Pal there. And for MVP, I'm going to choose, Benedict Matherin. I think he's he's going to step up and and put on a show. The the best part would be is because we didn't pick them and Pat you were low on them that team Terry wins the tournament. <laughs> team Jason yeah, Terry watch wins. Them. Yeah, watch. That would be that, great. That probably that would will be hilarious. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of other kind of media stuff happening on Saturday, but really, you know, we'll, we'll get to the meat of it and and talk about the three big events, the, the skills challenge, the three point contest and d- the slam dunk contest. So we'll start with the, the skills challenge, the way they've done this one. Um, they've started kind of messing around with this. They kind of just pick three random teams of three. Um, so this year it's team onto the Kumpo. So it's Giannis and his, uh, uh, you know, his brothers, Thanasis and Alex gripping, uh, his coattails, uh, you know, uh, for, for their lives. Um, then since it's the games in Utah, they have team jazz. So they have Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton and Walker Kessler. And then the third team is team rookies. You got Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and Jabari Smith. Um, so, yeah, they've kind of made it so you couldn't have, like, all, um, like, guards on it. Like, they made, they made you know, Team Jazz have Walker Kessler, who's a center. They made Team Rookies have Paolo and Jabari in there. Uh, the Antetokounmpo's, those guys are all, like, 6'9", 6'10", or taller. So, <laughs> I, I don't. You know, Giannis is obviously very skilled. I don't really think of those other two guys as being skilled players, um, at least on the basketball court. I mean, like I said, they're I'm sure they're very skilled at uh, you know ironing the jerseys and such. But how are you gonna hate? This um, is episode 43, homie. The Thanasty episode, and you're gonna hate on Thanasty yeah, like that? The Thanasty episode. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and 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 kick this one off with my pick. I'm going team rookies here. 
Um, I was tempted to take Team Jazz because Clarkson and Sexton are both really skilled, good good ball handlers, good shooters. They could pass it a little bit. But then they got big lumbering Walker Kessler who can't shoot the ball from outside like three feet. And he, he's a good young center, but I don't know. He doesn't strike me as someone who's particularly skilled. Whereas on, on Team Rookies, you've got Bancaro, who I think is very skilled for a big man in terms of ball handling, shooting touch. Jabari Smith is a really good shooter. I mean, it hasn't shown up this year. Um, he, he, he's not having a good rookie season, but he he does have a good stroke, and he he is pretty skilled for his size. And then Jaden Ivey, who who is you know a, a, a point guard with good handles, good speed. So I'm going with the the team rookies for this one. Um, and yeah, um, you know, team Jazz in, in close second. Uh, Matt, who do you have? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I know this is the uh, the nasty episode, but I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with the hoops guru here. I, I went team rooks. Uh, I just think that they're uh, a great. They're a, to me, they're probably the most talented team. If you're talking about Yanis with his two brothers, which are you know bench players. Um, but I mean, I will I will give love to to team uh, Antetokounmpo for uh, competing for another year. That's pretty dope. I was happy to see that. I was like, wow, that's dope. So Giannis is committed to All-Star Weekend. So I like that. So, I mean, it's cool to have one of your faces of the league, you know, that invested in, like, these these type of fun little events. So I want to give love to him for that. But uh, I'm going to go with Team Rooks, Team Rookies as well. Uh, so I Cheers. went actually Team Rookies as well. Um, Jaden Ivey, in terms of watching him in college at Purdue, is just ridiculous. Uh in terms of speed and athleticism, and I think he is going to dominate in the skills challenge. So I can't go against him. I love Giannis, but he's basically playing with like me and Matt out there. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to go with the team rookies. I think they have the most talent on there. Let's see if we get a team Garcia uh, <laughs> in the skills challenge next year. <laughs> and we'll get you out there too. too. It will be horrible. Yeah, I'll be the coach. I'll be the coach. <laughs> You'll have it'll be you too, and it'll be Deuce. It'll be your. It'll be your son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, the next event I want to talk about the three point contest. Um, so who, who, here's who's competing. I'll, I'll quickly run through: Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, Damian Lillard, Larry Markinen. <laughs> Anthony Simons was supposed to be in it, but they've replaced him with Julius Randle, who's like a 32% career three-point shooter. Completely flummoxed by that. But so Julius Randle and Jason, Jason Tatum. Um, so uh, Matt, I'll let you kick this one off. Uh, who, who do you have for the three-point contest this year? Yeah, this was a this was a tough one for me. This was probably the hardest of the events to pick, just because yeah. there's so many good shooters on this team. Um, so I just kind of went with a feeling, like a kind of like a feel good type of story, a little bit here in terms of they're having a great uh, a great year. I went with I went with uh, Halley's comment. I went with Tyrese Halliburton, it's because you know it's his first All Star game in year three. Uh, the Pacers are relevant again. You know, what I mean, they're a scrappy team. They're, uh, you know, he's having a great year. He's he's like at the top of the league in assists. 
and he's kind of kind of showing like he's kind of growing into a, almost a superstar, which I think he'll get there soon. He's he's been a great player for them, and uh, he's showing that he can be a franchise player. So I mean, I kind of like kind of like that storyline. So I went with that, and he's just a really good shooter too. Uh, even though his teammates, Buddy Heald, is like the the top percentage wise shooter. So it was a really hard pick. I was between several players. So I just went with um, Hallie's comment. See if he'll light it up. So I went Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, this would be an easy pick if there was anyone named Curry in it. <laughs> then I'd know who I'm picking. If if it's Steph, I'm picking Steph. If Seth's in there and no Steph, I'm taking Seth. But uh, we neither of the Currys are competing this year. If yeah, Del, these guys. Take Del. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if Dell's if Dell's in it, even at his age, I'll take Dell. Um, but yeah, these these guys are all great shooters. Besides again, Julius Randle, who, who really is not a great shooter. They must have just really desperately needed uh, someone in there. Um, I am gonna go for for my pick. I, this was hard for me. I'm gonna go with another feel good story. Uh, Larry Markinen. Um, he's got a nice quick release, really smooth stroke. Um, you know, he's got to bend over a little further to pick up the balls off the rack, which might hurt him. But, um, you know, he's just, he has been, he's been shooting it lights out all year. Um, and yeah, I think he's going to be hot playing in his, you know, team's home city. The crowd's going to be behind him, pump him up. So I'll go, I'll go with the feel good, uh, the hometown hero, Larry Markinen. Deuce, who do you have? Uh, so for this one, I actually went with somebody who was draining. Like, I watched him against the Bulls, and he was draining just threes from like fifty feet out. And that is Damian Lillard. Um, <laughs> I think yep. Dame can take this. He has the range, and if he gets hot, I think he could take it away. Laurie was my second pick, but if I would have picked Laurie, Matt would have laughed at me because he knows how much I like Laurie. But uh, <laughs> I, I went with um, uh, Damian Lillard. Well, Deuce, you've been completely redeemed with Lori. I mean, like you were you were high on him when like last year, the year before, and now he's like actually an all-star, an all-star starter. Um, so you know, I gotta say, you you were right about him. You were. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why I said what I said. Deuce knows his hoops, man. I mean, he he was high on Lowry. He's like he's like, watch, he's like, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be a good player when he gets in the right situation. And it was always Tim Boylan. Uh I, I mean I told Matt that like um just when he Fred Hoiberg was here, I mean Fred Hoiberg was not a great coach, but Laurie had some of his best years under Fred Hoiberg. And then when Jim Boylan took over, is when he regressed really, really bad to the point where he didn't want to be here anymore. And like I said, the Wolves need the Wolves, the Bulls need wing depth. And he looked pretty nice over, you know, over Patrick Williams. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hasn't hasn't quite worked out for the Bulls. Um, yeah, Jim Boylan. God, how that guy ever got a job is beyond me. <laughs> but let's uh, let's move on to our final uh, contest of the Saturday night. The the most storied, I would say, um, but maybe the most disappointing of of the contests for me this year. That is the the slam dunk contest. Um, and we, we were we were kind of talking about this before the show, how you used to have guys like Michael Jordan, um, you know, Dominique Wilkins, uh, you, Muggsy Bogues would, would compete like big, like big names competed in the in the slam dunk contest. And even like into the 2000s, you had, you know, Vince Carter, Dwight Howard, right? Like guys who are stars, 
actually competed. Now we've gone not even from stars to like, you know, young risers or young stars. Now we're just still like role players and a guy in the G League. Um, so here are the participants. Kenyon Martin Jr. on the Houston Rockets. Mac McClung, who's here is listed as a 76ers player, but he plays for their G League team in Delaware. So he's not he's not like really actually even on the Sixers. Trey Murphy three, who we mentioned is also in the Rising Stars challenge. Um, who, yeah, is is a ferocious in-game dunker uh, from the Pelicans. And then Jericho Sims from the New York Knicks um, is the fourth. Um, so yeah, Deuce, why don't why don't you kick this one off? Who do you have winning this dunk contest? This one was a little tough for me, uh, but I have to go with genes, genetics. So I'm going with Kenya Martin Jr. His dad used to slam him down, so I'm assuming that he worked on something with his son. And who knows, maybe he might show up and dunk, because that was the only thing he was good at was dunking. But um, I, I would be kind of cool if he won. Like, his son wins the slam dunk contest, so... I went a little nostalgia there. Nice. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'd like to see a Kmart sighting, hopefully at the dunk contest. Hopefully if he gets to, you know, hold the ball or do something, that'll be fun. Um so uh really quick, I thought Trey Murphy the third would have been a nice addition to the three point contest. I don't know why he didn't get it, because I think of him more of a, as a shooter, but I went with uh I went with Trey Murphy the third. Um I think he's a uh, I mean, he's he can definitely he can definitely jam it, but I mean, looking at the other players, I'm like, well, I, I just went with who I think is the most talented of of the four players that are participating. So I went with Trey Murphy the third, um, as my pick. Nice, yeah. I I know. Uh, uh, I I'm gonna go with uh, Deuce on this one, Kenny Martin Jr. I've seen him throw down some awesome dunks for Houston. He's like one of the only fun players to watch on Houston, to be honest. Like I like watching him. I like watching Shangun. The rest of it can be pretty painful to watch. Um, I will say though, Mac McClung, um, he's not like a great player, obviously, or he wouldn't be on in the G league, but he is an awesome dunker. He's like, he's like a white guy at like six foot tall, like the last guy you would expect to be a good dunker. And that he, but he can, he can jump out of the gym. He is a really good dunker. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did take it just like, you know, by the element of surprise, like I bet like maybe these judges are not going to be super familiar with him. And then when they see him hopping up, uh, you know, that, that might be, that might be, uh, he might be a sleeper pick there, but I'm going with, I'm going with KJ Martin as well. Um, I've seen him have some crazy dunks in game, um, he doesn't do a ton else. Uh, he's a decent defender, but he's mostly just catching lobs and dunking them down. So, um, yeah, it would be cool. Yeah, especially if we can get a Kenny Martin Sr. showing on that one. I mean, I, was, I keep hoping for a Darius Baisley appearance in, in this again, but uh, to get to get a Darius Baisley sighting in this, because I would love to see him in a dunk contest, but still no unfazed Bays. I guess I have to hope for next year again. Um, yeah, but uh, yes, so uh, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised, guys. I mean, I it was, I, I did the predictable, I took Team Joaquim for the skills challenge for the um, for the Rising Stars game, 
I'm like, okay, I know Deuce is going to take Lowry to the three-point contest. And I'm thinking Pat's going to go Knicks and take Jericho Sims. And neither one of you guys did that. So I guess I'm the most predictable of the three of us. But I'm surprised. Yeah. But uh, can we talk about these the judges for this this slam dunk contest? Because I was, I was like, some of them, I mean, I, I get it, of course. You know, you got the, the human highlight reel is there, of course. But a couple of them, I was like, really? Dunk contest, judge? Okay. Yeah. Dominique Wilkins is one of the judges. Makes perfect sense. Um, one of the greatest dunkers of all time. Harold Miner, um, who is also deserving. He's a he was a great dunker in his time. Um, and then the last three, um, <laughs> Jamal Crawford, Lisa Leslie, and Carl Malone. Um, now Lisa Leslie was a, a legendary WNBA player, but I mean wasn't a lot of dunking happening in, in the I mean WNBA. she could she could jam though. I'll give her that. She could jam. She could. So I don't have she, a problem with that. I don't got a problem with that when it's seller two that are questionable to me. So yeah, she could jam it. So I'll, I'll give her credit. She was kind of like one of the first women players who really, you know, could dunk it regularly. Um so I get that one. But Carl Malone and and Jamal Crawford Dunking isn't even close to like one of the top five skills I think about with either of those guys. Not even close. Um, Malone was a big, but he he liked to shoot jumpers and play posts. Yeah, you don't think of him as a dunker in the way you would say Sean Kemp or you know even Dikembe or Shaq. You know, like so. Yeah, I, I don't get that at all. It, it it's a complete mystery to me. Yeah, I, I don't. He's called the mailman. He delivers layups. He's a piece of trash human being. He be <laughs> yep. he, he, he's a complete scumbag too. So screw him. Yeah, and he was. <laughs> and I mean, he was a he was a finesse four in a in a like a a league. Well, he was a very good player. I'll give him that. But in a league that was that was you know more you know dominant power forwards, he was a finesse four. So, and I've never seen them. I've never seen him dunk ever. Uh, Deuce said he saw, he remembers one time when he was in his last year with the Lakers that he saw him dunk. Because I was thinking, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Carl Malone dunk the ball in my life, which he could have. He was obviously very tall, but it just never happened. And I'm I'm, I'm with you guys too. I think uh, he he's a slimy person too, so I'm I'm, I'm not a fan at all. But uh, yeah, when I think dunks, it's got to be because he played for the Jazz, I guess. So I'm kind of thinking, like, was there another Jazz player who had been there for a while that? Mark uh, Eaton, I mean, like he was. Can we get get a little Greg, little Greg Oster tag, maybe? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) little, little uh, AK forty-seven, maybe. Andre Kirilenko, I don't know. I'm just thinking, I don't know, but not. uh, It's not the name I think of when I think of Dunkers for the Jazz. So, no, not at all. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. They, they're they're kind of slim pickings for the superstars. I mean, who are you going to you going to bring? John Stockton back after all the crazy shit he's been talking. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, Jazz of uh, their their two best players in franchise history are very uh, uh, colorful. Let's just put it that way. I mean, you could have. I mean, if you really, really, really wanted to, like, say, "Oh, um, we're gonna have to bring back somebody to do something." I mean, you could have brought back uh, what's his name, um, Carlos Boozer. <laughs> he played with the Jazz for a little bit of time. But he's also not a dunker, so yeah. Greg Oshitag is probably the safe route, but 
they want a bigger name, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's that's it for our, our dunk contest picks. Again, like the 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 teams have not been chosen for the actual All Star game, so um, we can't really make many picks there. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see who gets picked. And I mean, I won't watch it, but I'll read about it the next day. Exactly. <laughs> I will say this, and this is this is for you, Deuce. Uh, based off who, based off GM skills, I'm going to go blind and say Yanis is going to win this game. <laughs> because, yeah. As we've seen the last couple of years, uh, the basketball Baron is exactly the best GM, so I don't trust him to draft the best team. So I'm going to go with uh, Team Yanis here, blind, without the picks being made. So this there is you me. go. That seems like a safe bet. <laughs> um, cool. Well, yeah, that wraps up our uh, our All Star Weekend segment. Uh, hope hope everyone can tune in and watch a little bit, and it's it's a good time. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Let's move into our uh, last two recurring segments every week. Uh, our first one, uh, slime ball of the week. So this is our segment where we choose. Someone in the sports world, uh, an entity, an individual, whether that's a player, coach, uh, owner, um, who has acted particularly slimy in the last few weeks and and have put themselves on our, our radar um, because of their, their sketchy moves. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll each name uh, a slime ball. Um, if you want to name, you know, an on, honorable mention, you're welcome to do so. I've just picked one. Um, so yeah, Deuce, you're our guest. I'm going to start you off. Uh, who is your slime ball of the weeks? Uh, I have two. Uh, one of them is a different sport, but with, um, with basketball and the trade deadline, I have, uh, honorary slime ball King, King James, uh, for the fact that this guy went on a national show on espn i don't know who he spoke to he probably spoke to the voice of chicago michael wilbon who lives in arizona but i think he, he did talk to Wilbon. yeah okay that, that right there is, <laughs> just throws out all credibility concerning michael wilbon knows jack shit all he does is no beat all he can tell you is how many people he knows but um i digress but in terms of lebron james going on national tv and saying maybe it's me nobody wants to come here like what the hell are you talking about Dude, you literally, we talked about earlier, denied DeMar DeRozan and Alex Cruz to come for a broken down Westbrook. You ha- Your team has nothing to trade but 2085 first draft picks. You basically put this team into turmoil, into trash, and you're complaining that you decided to have a broken down AD who doesn't even look like he wants to play half the time. Like it's been called out on broadcasts how he hustles. And you that nobody wants that maybe it's your fault. Well, yeah, it is your fault. It's your fault. The team is in disarray. Uh, there's no sympathy for you. The fact that he's begging for Kyrie Irving, especially about how much of a clown show that was in Brooklyn to come back, just tells me like uh, the, he. I don't. I think he lives on another planet. Uh, he. Everybody says how great he is and this and that, and everybody can talk shit about Michael Jordan being an owner and how many draft picks he got. And LeBron is no better, and he's a player. Like so, the fact you have to go on national TV and also you diss Russell Westbrook, you cry for him to come here, and then you diss him on 
oh, I wish, you know, we could have traded, you know, our point guards when you're referencing him. So if I were him, I would have deuces too and said bye. You, you, God, he just annoys the hell out of me. And I, like he, he cries about everything. He's just, I don't understand how you're going to say it, why it, it must be me. Yeah, it is you. you. You screwed up the whole franchise. And that's the reason he's my slime ball. Good pick there, Deuce. Yeah. Um, I, I think he like, thinks maybe we forgot. He forced them to trade like all of their picks for Anthony Davis. Um, and, every, you know, multiple young players who are now like all-stars or borderline all-stars. So, um, yeah, he it's like, no, dude, like you force them to trade everything for Anthony Davis. And now you don't have anything left to trade. Um, you know, he, he always tries to make it seem like the front office, like this has been a, a continuous thing. He's always tried to make it seem since his, his second stint in in Cleveland that the front office isn't doing enough to surround him with help. And it's like, no, dude, like we've done everything. And like, we've done what you asked and it didn't work. Um, and so, yeah, like, I don't know. It, it, he's shown absolutely no reason why any team should turn over their basketball um, personnel decision-making to him because he, he doesn't really seem to get it at all. He'd be a terrible GM. But yeah, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, no, I'm just saying, but yet, and he's also like putting out there, oh, I'm going to go play at my son plays. So you're basically saying the Lakers have to take Bronny or you're going to go somewhere else. Again, reverts back to yep. two issues we called earlier. Like you signed there, like you, you destroyed the franchise. The least you can do is try to work it out, but I don't know. I, I agree. I mean, great pick, too. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we'll go through and then we'll have you give your second one before we move on to the next segment. But um, uh, the Hoops Guru, when I sent him that uh, article I read about Maybe It's Me from the, the Scoring King, uh, he, he gave a great response. It was hilarious. And I asked him if I could read this on the show, and he said, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and quote uh, the Hoops Guru here. He said, regarding the situation, quote, he must think we all have collective amnesia, LOL. We remember you pushing for the Lakers to trade all their young talent and picks for AD. We remember you pushing for trading all of your good role players for Westbrook. We remember you forcing other teams to trade all their assets for old win-now players and leaving them high and dry when you decide you want to leave. We're not effing, I'm censor it, morons, LOL. End of quote. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. That's the that's the that is the perfect analysis i think in my mind of uh of um the basketball bear and uh, his whole uh, issue here so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with that i love that that was hilarious yeah he's totally trying to gaslight us like guys why aren't the lakers helping me out you know you, it's like oh you mean by besides handing you the keys to the franchise and trading all of their young talent and picks for the guy you chose <laughs> because he's a, he's an, his, your bud, best friend is his agent. Like, uh, you know, you, you chose AD and while it got you a championship, that was probably worth it because the chip's always worth it. But you chose even that showed to be not great. He doesn't play that much. He doesn't look very engaged. And then you chose Russell Westbrook and that was an utter disaster. So you're, they're not going to let you screw this up again and take, freaking Mr. World B flat who's gonna, you know, when playoffs roll around, decide he needs to go on a peacekeeping mission to North Korea or something. So <laughs> and, and, uh, to quote Deuce oh. uh about uh 
the basketball man. How much help does he need? He annoys me, man. Uh, <laughs> if you guys, if anybody out there listens to like, is like big about the goat debate, listen to Aries Spears on TikTok. He gives a great, uh, just look up Aries Spears, LeBron, Jordan debate on YouTube or TikTok, and he gives a great description of everything. Um, yeah, complete trash. Who's your second slime ball, Deuce? Um, so my second slime ball, well, it's kind of like on the two, but I'll go with the uh, more current, and it has to do in the world of baseball, and it's with the Chicago White Sox and Mike Clevenger. Now, if you guys, I know you guys are mostly a base, uh, basketball and football show, but the issue here is that Mike Clevenger was a free agent with the San Diego Padres. The White Sox signed him very, very early in the offseason and it has come out within the past few months that he is being accused of domestic abuse and sexual abuse along with even child abuse where he supposedly spit on his newborn baby tobacco uh the slime ball of the week is not just him it's actually the white Sox organization as there's, there has been proof that they should have vetted a little bit better in terms of who they're assigning because they had an issue in their organization with Jose, um, not Jose Vizcaino. Uh, who was the short, the second baseman, Matt, for them? I can't remember. Currently? It, oh, Omar Vizquel. So Omar Vizquel had a domestic violence issue that was going on that the team apparently just uncovered because they didn't do enough vetting. Um, when they the team faced the music today to say, What's going to happen with Clevenger? Because Clevenger is in uniform and at spring training right now, which is creating a big cloud of um, unsureness around the team and a distraction, basically, due to MLB investigating. Uh, Rick Hahn went out and said that he understands why he, he didn't tell them about the investigation prior, because apparently the investigation was open prior to this, so I'm signing him. And he also basically said they're powerless. Um, and they saw some character issues with him that were a calculated risk. And those character issues that were with him was during COVID, the guy literally went out and partied against protocol and didn't care. So if that doesn't give you enough red flag, it's just, I think the White Sox dropped the ball in terms of vetting and investigating this guy, even though everybody claims he's a great guy, but a lot of people have come forward and we found out today that there was a police report written about him. So, I mean, we in the world of sports, we all know back channels work. So obviously they didn't do their, their process and it makes them either incompetent or they're lying to us. And it just gets tiring that this is happening in sports. And this also goes along with football, with uh, you know, a, a twofer today with Joe Mixon pointing guns at people who continues to be a complete piece of trash, pointing guns at women. And yes, the charges were supposedly gonna be dropped, but like, how many times is this guy going to be in trouble with, you know, possible abuse against women? It's just an issue going on in sports. And those two, like, were my two first for, so it was actually three slime balls. So those are my three slime balls. All very worthy. True, true slime, slime balls. balls. Yeah, for sure. Um, Matt, you go ahead. Well, uh, Deuce set it up perfectly here. So if we're talking about worthy slime balls, this is a this is a player who a former player who was tailor made for this segment, and I was waiting for them to get back in the news because for whatever reason we kind of 
missed it, didn't hit on it, and it kind of went away. But I knew it was going to come back, and it did. So my uh, slime ball of the weeks is uh, Brett Favre. Uh, this is one been a long time coming. I've been he's been one that deserves here more than one of the most deserving slime balls I think we've ever had on this show for a multitude of reasons. Uh, this, the Jets incident um, is is one that just comes to mind, but there's a lot of other things that are very questionable about him. But um, uh, it was, I mean, we know the story basically if you've been following sports, but essentially using government funds designed to help people, the impoverished, to build a volleyball stadium at his, at his university, at his former uh, college, University of Southern Mississippi, because his daughter was a volleyball player there. And this is from a guy who his, his earnings from his contract was well over a hundred million dollars during his playing career. And he's using funds, knowingly using funds from uh, state money that goes to the impoverished communities who need it the most in what is the state that has the the poorest state or a state where the people earn the lowest income per capita. He's stealing those funds to build a volleyball stadium from a guy who has endorsement deals with Copperfits, Wrangler. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. It's insane to me how 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 slimy that is. And the reason why he 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 goes back in the news and why he's it's relevant. Um, I mean, it's always relevant, but why it's been talked about again to resurface, I should say, is because he him and his attorneys sued uh, multiple people for slander, including like Shannon Sharp, Pat McAfee, who pretty much called him out, said that uh, Shannon Sharp. I'm going to paraphrase something to the effect of, "You got to be the lowest of the low to." the lowest of the low to, to do that, um, to, to steal from those type of people, to steal from, from anybody who needs the help the most. So um, it's, 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 you know, it, it should have been, it should have been, you know, done. So, um, so that, that's just, that's just my, that's my slime ball uh, of the week. But uh, yeah, your thought, Pat? Yeah, for sure. Favre is uh, an absolute, uh, absolute slime ball. Um, yeah, Mississippi is one of those states that's so poorly mismanaged. Is such a you know, it's so racially segregated. The poorest people there are the poorest in the country for the most part um, of any state, at least. Um, yeah. And, and he was also like collecting like fees from the government. Like some of those awards were being used for speaking fees for things he never did. It, it's pretty clear. He had some kind of arrangement with either the governor or someone in the government to basically misappropriate these, these funds, which, you know, the Mississippi government barely gives anything to its people, you know, like it, it's, it's so the very little that they are distributing, um, you know, that that's just, that's just pathetic. So uh, really, really, uh, really uh, slimy move there. And yeah, I, I've never liked Favre. He was a slime ball when he was a player. He's a slime ball now. So it's, it's not all, all that surprising. Yeah, most stuff. Who's uh give us your uh, your slime ball of the week, homie? Yeah, sure. So my slime ball, going back to the well here, the 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 slime ball who never stops sliming. Going with Kyrie Irving. Uh gonna keep it very simple here. Um, 
you know, forced to trade out of Brooklyn again um, after three years in which they let him take personal leave days in his first year um, for no reason. As if, like, you know, you need personal leave. You get a whole offseason off. (laughs) You know, you get, like, you know, you only actually play games, like, a couple times a week. Um, I know, like, the NBA is a full-time job, but, like, yeah, got his personal leave days, then got paid for sitting on the bench during COVID, then posted an anti-Semitic documentary in quotes um, and refused to take accountability. And the Nets still kind of let him come back to the team and play. And so upon leaving and joining the Mavericks, he says, quote, I know I'm going to be at a place where I'm celebrated and not just tolerated. There were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I was really disrespected. That's another day when I can go into detail about it. I'm not a person to really speak on names who go to someone behind their back and try to leak stuff to the media. I need healthy boundaries, especially in this entertainment business. There's a lot of disrespect that goes on in people's families and their names. I'm just not with it. It's nothing personal against any of those guys in the front office. It's just what I'm willing to accept. And then later said he was glad that Durant got out of uh, Brooklyn. And yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and call him out. I mean, this this organization catered to you in every single way. Um, they let you sit sit out half the games because you wouldn't get a freaking shot in your arm like the rest of us um, to make you know people safer um, under some bullshit excuse that you were you know speaking for the voiceless and you know all, all the silly excuses people come up with to not get vaccines fine whatever and then you post this anti-semitic thing and then you go and demand a four-year contract extension no one in their right mind has given you that dude and if you think dallas is you know either they're morons or you're in for a rude awakening so to just be that salty about it afterwards when you were the problem if you ask anyone who's objective about this stuff Kyrie Irving was the issue um I think most of us are with Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets on this um just absolutely pathetic um that he would do that he would he would continue to complain um after basically creating this situation himself and and still continuing to refuse to accept accountability Uh, for his actions. He still doesn't get it. Still, it's so obvious. You know, no, like, yeah, maybe I could have done some things better. And, you know, maybe I could have communicated my no, it's it's all the Brooklyn Nets fault. He was disrespected. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, It's just such a such a load of bullshit. Um, I I can't take this guy anymore. So um, Kyrie Irving uh, is my slime ball of the week. Uh, Any thoughts on that, homie? I mean, great pick, homie. I mean, that was another one that was in the running here. Yeah, I was, I, I wasn't surprised by what he said, but I was still kind of like, this, this, this guy just doesn't get it. You know what I mean? He, you feel me? He just doesn't understand. Like, he really doesn't. He has no concept of reality, homie. I don't think he lives in the same world that me and you live in. It's just, it's unbelievable to me. This guy, like, you know what I mean? Um. And it's a, a pretty, uh, I guess it's a, a show first, I should say. So we had two members of the Hall of Slime both be chosen again in terms of like, they're already in there and they've gotten to add to their totals. So uh, LeBron James, the basketball baron, scoring king, 
He now has six selections as slime ball of the week total. And uh, the the artist, the voice for the voiceless, Kyrie Irving now has five selections. And it, is, and it takes foe to be voted in for to be eligible to be to nominated and voted into the Hall of Slime. So congratulations to them for adding to their total. We now have uh, a tie for most selections between LeBron James and Skipper Bayless. So they both have six. <laughs> nice. <laughs> With uh, Kyrie Irving and Draymond Green both have five. So they're in, they're tied for second place. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to our, our homie of the week here. So homie of the week is the opposite of slime ball of the week. It's where we uh, want to give some love to a person, place, or thing in the sports world that we thought did something commendable uh, that we really – we thought that that was special. We thought that deserves some some praise and some adulation. So, uh, you go ahead, homie. Give us your uh, who is your homie of the week here? Yeah, for sure. I will just say Deuce had to duck out, um, but we're gonna we'll shout out his homie of the week, and uh, yeah, I'll let you shout out his his uh, his plugs, his pod at the uh, end of the show. My homie of the week um, is Mikhail Bridges, the, the now Brooklyn Nets Mikhail Bridges, um, just for the way he's handled uh, kind of the whole trade thing. Uh, you know, Deuce mentioned earlier in the show, like when, uh, you know, he found out he got traded on Twitter, it looked like he was just like, LOLOL, oh my God, <laughs> like, right? Like, I don't know, which is just kind of a funny reaction to being traded. He was just like, I don't know, very light, lighthearted. And then they, they asked the, someone on, uh, uh, someone, someone asked him about it. Um, he was, he, I think in his introductory, um, you know, press conference with the nets and they were like, you know, are you, are you, are you mad you got traded? And he basically said, quote, it's, it's KD. I get it. I would rather get traded for KD than someone I didn't feel was good. It's Kevin Durant. I would probably make that trade too. So kind of just being, um, I don't know, kind of being a little lighthearted about it. You know, it's, it's Kevin Durant. Um, I get it. Um, you know, not, not, not taking the, the trade too hard. And then I will say he's, he's really adapting nicely to his new team. He dropped 45 last night. Um, right. And, you know, he's definitely not a player I think of. It's like a volume scorer, but you know, it just goes to show some guys, if you give them more opportunity, they can, they can show more. So, you know, he got traded, he kind of took it in stride, had his best game of his career, arguably. Um, I, I, I don't know if it is, if you are able to argue it, it, it was, you know, here's the stat line. It was, um, where is it? Uh, oh yeah, here it is. So, 45 points on 70% shooting, 66.7% from three, 100% free throws, eight rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals, one foul, three turnovers. Um, monster game. Uh, they, they Not just a monster game, they got the win. They beat the Heat, who are a good team. So um, just shout out to Mikhail Bridges. Just kind of want to, you know, it's, it's hard, I'm sure, to be a young player and to get traded. Um, you know, he was a really good fit on that team. He was a really important part of what that team had built the last few years. And I think the Nets are going to be really happy to have him. And obviously other teams want him. I heard that report about the Grizzlies offering four first rounders. So even if the Nets want to blow it up, they can definitely get, you know, some good value for him for sure. So Mikhail Bridges, my homie of the week. 
Yeah, good pick, homie. I like that. Yeah, Deuce told me about that. Uh, his uh, his his reaction as soon as he finally got traded. And yeah, he's a good player. Like I said, he wasn't the necessarily the the issue. I guess I could say I had. He was he was kind of like, yeah, I have to have him, but I also wanted Aiden yeah. too. You said you he want them both, which I wanted they them both. Are both yeah. Great young For, players. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a you know uh, all defense type of player. I mean, we love uh, on this show. We love two way players, and he's a two way player. A really nice, talented player. I'm, I'm interested to see him uh, as a number one on a team and how he can do with that. I mean, we've seen what it did for Tyrese Halliburton as being the best player in a team and a number one. Uh, it's done wonders for him. So, I mean, I don't see any reason why Mikel Bridges can't, you know, can't live up to that role. I mean, I think he's certainly capable of doing that. Um, I mean, at, at the very least, he's a, a great number two at the very least. And that's no no shade on him at all. I think he's a very good player. Like I said, we love two-way players on here, and he's very talented, and he's young. And he just got an extension, a very um, team-friendly extension he signed, too. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're sitting good with him. So uh, I'm, happy, I'm, I'm happy that he's uh, – he took it in stride. I mean, that's good sportsmanship, I feel like. You know what I mean? Uh, he's like, I kind of went from a championship contender to a team that's kind of rebuilding. But, hey, I mean, I'm the guy now. It is what it is. It's the business. I get it. You know, let's uh, – Let's you know. Let's just play basketball. So I mean, I, I I respect that. So it's a good pick, homie. So I actually have two slide uh, homies of the week. Excuse me. I'm gonna give the one that's not shared because Deuce and I have a shared one. But the one that's not shared is uh, I went with Lowry Marketing here as as one of my homies of the week here. Um, nice. His you know his first All Star appearance. He he got the start after Fly Zion Williams Zion Williamson was hurt. He's not going to be able to make it uh, to play for the game. So they have Lowry going to start for him, which I think is, you know, great. He's playing, you know, at a home game and in front of the Utah crowd. And he's having uh, by far the best the best year of his career. So just going to give his stats really quick for the year. He's averaging, we'll say, 25 points a game, uh, 8.6 rebounds a game, 1.8 assists. So we'll say two assists. So we got 25, 8, and 2. On 51% shooting from the field, uh, 41% from downtown, from three. And we're going to round up 88% from the uh, free throw line, which are all uh, career highs. So he's averaging basically career highs in everything. And so I mean, the Jazz, elite numbers, elite. Elite numbers. I mean, that's, that's um, you want to talk about like player efficiency? That is extremely efficient. To shoot for a guy to shoot, um, he's he's pretty much right knocking on the, knocking on the dough of a 50, 40, 90 season homie at this moment, which is, you know, that's that's kind of the gold standard for offensive efficiency in today's NBA. 50, 40, 90. He's right there. He's two percent off from the free throw line, which who's to say he can't do that, right? So I mean, a great season. He's a, like I said, career high in everything, and it's a nice story. I'm glad that he's uh He's been able to show like the kind of talent that he has. I was never low on his talent. I just didn't see this coming that he would be, you know, essentially a star quality player. I thought he was a quality player. I just didn't know if he was going to be a star caliber player. And it looks like at the very least for this year, and I would expect for the future for him to be at least, um, you know, a all-star caliber type of player. I mean, I can't see why he wouldn't be, you know what I mean? At least in this realm. So I'm happy for him. So I wanted to go ahead and uh, give him some love. So Lowry Markinen is my first 
homie of the week. Your thoughts, homie, before I give the last one? No, great pick. I, I'm with you. I was I was out on him. Like I'm not I'm not gonna pretend like I was some big Lowry marketing. I didn't. I thought he was not a great player. Um, and yeah, he's just. It's. It looks like he maybe just needed the right coach to put him in the right position. I think he did get better. Like he was not bad last year on Cleveland. He was. He was a good player for them. Um, but yeah, I definitely did not see this coming. I would say he's my front runner for most improved player. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's particularly close at this point, for sure. Oh, easily he should win most improved player. I mean, we'll see what happens because we don't really know how that voting goes. It's kind of crazy because I thought that yeah. Jordan Poole was a yeah, runaway. Ja, ja won it, you know. It was like yeah, Ja was already remember. awesome. But yeah. I think Lowry Markman should be – I don't even care what happens the rest of the year. He should be most improved player to go from a guy who was, you know, a nice, you know, rotation piece, I guess you could say, to an all-star starter. You know what I mean? When we didn't see that coming necessarily given the track record. It's impressive. So um, kind of like a Julius Randle kind of trajectory a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, similar. Which is good to see. So, I mean, I like I like those kind of stories. But, um, yeah, so my last homie of the week is also Deuce's homie of the week. So we got some homie harmony here. So it is a uh, it is a Michael Jordan. His airness himself is being selected by myself as well as Deuce for homie of the week. So uh, the reason why Michael Jordan is our homie of the week is uh, he donated $10 million to the Make-A-Wish Foundation for his 60th birthday, which he just, um, he's, he's obviously a February birthday, so he just made a $10 million donation to Make-A-Wish Foundation to celebrate his 60th birthday. So he is, um, he just donated that uh, to the Fort Foundation, excuse me, and it is the largest donation ever received from an individual in the organization's 43-year history. And I just I just realized that right now, homie. Episode 43, biggest donation in the 43-year history. I didn't even know that. Didn't plan it. It just kind of cool the way that all kind of the plans kind of align there. So that's pretty dope. So um, it says from the story from NBA.com, from the Associated Press, it says, Jordan's hope is that his decision to celebrate his birthday by donating to Make-A-Wish will inspire others to help fulfill the wishes of the kids still waiting for the wishes to come true. And there is a quote from Michael Jordan himself in a news release. He said, quote, for the past 34 years, it's been an honor to partner with Make-A-Wish and help bring a smile and happiness to so many kids. Witnessing their strength and resilience during such a tough time in their, tr in their lives has truly been an inspiration. So he's been working with them since 1989. And it says he's granted hundreds of wishes to children all over the world and remains still one of the most requested celebrity wish grantors. He was named Make-A-Wish Chief Wish Ambassador in 2008 for what the organization called the, quote, life-changing impacts he has had on wishes and their families. And also a final quote from his Aaroness himself, quote, I can't think of a better birthday gift than seeing others join me in supporting Make-A-Wish so that every child can experience the magic of having their wish come true. So, I mean, I thought that was a, a, a great, we both thought it was a great gesture. He's a billionaire. He's uh, one of the most famous athletes of all time. You know what I mean? He's, to me, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. And I think that was a really, a great gesture to to kind of spin it like, yeah, it's uh, for to celebrate my birthday. But what I'm actually celebrating is my birthday wish is this. So I'm going to give money to this organization, which I think is a great, 
uh, organization, something that we can actually see that's tangible. Sometimes with charitable organizations, we don't really see tangible evidence of what the money's being used for, which can be slightly, you know, disheartening because you want to see, okay, if you're donating this money, what are we, what are we doing? You know, what I mean, this is when we can actually see what what's going down to help these to help these kids at least get, you know, a wish when they're dealing with, you know, serious, you know, medical problems or what have you. So I mean, it's I thought it was a really a really great gesture to do that, and I like the inspiration behind it. He's been working with them for over 30 years. So I mean, I think it's I think it's a great move by him. I think it's a really a very generous thing to do uh, from a guy who, I mean, he doesn't really need to do anything else for people to the ones who love him, love him, and the ones who don't, don't. You know what I mean? So like, it's kind of it's kind of hard to. To, to grow in terms of like his stature and his his fame popularity whatever but uh, i thought it was a really great um gesture to make and deuce agreed with that and that's why he's our uh, he's our co-homie of the week as well uh your thoughts homie yeah great pick uh make a wish foundation is a great organization um yeah you mentioned it but they basically just like um provide uh you know if if it's usually for children and adolescents with cancer or some kind of a serious illness. Um, and they give them wishes like sports related wishes. Like I want to go to a baseball game with Sammy Sosa, or I want to, you know, meet Michael Jordan or like want to catch play a pass from Tom Brady or something. Like catch, that, yeah. yeah. And so it's cool to hear how involved he's been with that over the years, despite being, you know, so famous, he probably got so many requests um for stuff like that just to make the time time to do that and to make such a big single donation um it's pretty pretty awesome so good for him um yeah happy happy 60th to uh the goat uh michael jordan um good good uh good way to to give some money back um and yeah hopefully hopefully for his birthday his hornets can start to look a little better for him yeah, I mean, I, I hope so it's for his sake uh, that they start to get better. I mean, they have a they have a, a great talent. You know what I mean? They have a all star mm-hmm. caliber talent if they can if they can get everything else situated. Um, but we have some uh, some news here, homie. So with my selection and Deuce's selection of Michael Jordan as homie of the week, that now gives his airness uh, faux selections as homie of the week on the show. So. Uh, got I got uh, Deuce's approval on this already, but that makes Michael Jordan, his airness, eligible for the Hall of Homies. So uh, I'm going to put it out there. So Deuce has already voted yes. Um, so as our is Michael Jordan, uh, should he be inducted into the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast Hall of Homies? Yes or no, Pat? Yeah, yes. It hurts me to do this while I wear my Knicks shirt after he <laughs> deprived so cruelly deprived my home my hometown team of so many championships. Um who knows if they would have won, but he he was always beating us. Um but yeah, he he's a homie of the week. Um you know, I don't I don't, he he's one of the great players of all time and one of the guys who was actually able to like I mean, really, you know, he was he was one of the first I think black billionaires in the country right like at least first um black athlete billionaire that i'm aware of um which is pretty cool i mean that's i I mean i don't think we there should be billionaires in our country but (laughs) if there have to be that one of them is mj is better than you know some 
prick from a hedge fund, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, shout out to him. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, he definitely earned the money, you know, I mean, he wasn't born rich. Right. And he was, a, yep. he was one of the athletes, like he's kind of a testament to athletes as a, to how to be a great businessman, mm-hmm. how to use your sure. endorsements, how to, how to, you know what I mean? Cause he was, he endorsed every, so much stuff and he uses money wisely. And this is coming from a guy who likes to, um, Likes to have fun and stuff too, and he still was able to become a billionaire. So I think it's a good testament how you can balance, you know, uh, having a good time and you know enjoying your money while you have it, but also growing it into generational wealth. So I mean, I think that's commendable as well. It's just a businessman, he's a brilliant businessman. So uh, I'm gonna say yes. I mean, he's my favorite player of all time, and it's a, uh, it's it's a really it's really great to be able to put him in the Hall of Homies. So yeah, so that's three yeses unanimous. Uh, Michael Jordan, his airness. Air Jordan, whatever you want to call him, MJ. Welcome to the Helmet Soups and Homies podcast, Hall of Homies. And some other good news is that now uh, Stevie Showstopper, Stephen Curry, now has somebody alongside him in the Hall of Homies. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, it's a great way to end the episode. I mean, um, just want to say uh, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Deuce for coming on the show uh, and spend some time with us. We'll get him on soon again. Um, it's always good to talk hoops with him and everything else. Uh, Deuce's uh, socials, he's at Low Yumper, L-I-L-Y-U-M-P-E-R. He's also part of the Tainted Glove Network. Uh, you can just look them up on YouTube, Tainted Glove. They do a lot of really fun stuff in terms of like, they do a lot of live shows with their podcast. They're doing a live show uh, this Saturday at the Wiener Circle in Chicago. I want to say it's at 6.15 p.m. They're doing a live show with another Chicago-based um, podcast group called The Bums. They're, they talk about baseball a lot, but they're going to do that. They're doing an event there. They do a lot of cool stuff. They're doing something in the summer for the a premiere for the Indiana Jones movie that's coming out in the summertime. They're doing an event that they're going to host there. So a lot of really good stuff, so you can check them out on the Tainted Glove Network on YouTube or all their socials will be there as well. I'll make sure to have Deuce uh, plug his stuff next time he's on in case I miss something, but we appreciate him. Uh, check it out if you like movies and uh, sports, especially baseball. If you like, if you love baseball, or if you like uh, movie talk and just fun stuff like that, it's a good show. There's also another show called "It's Getting Drafty" in here where they do drafts of all different things. So, like favorite movies, favorite cereal, favorites, uh, best best football players ever was one that they did a draft of, like an actual fantasy draft. They did was an episode with someone named Brian the Magnificent Stan. He has guests on there. It's a lot of fun. Um, so check them out if you're interested in that. And like I said, thank you to the listeners. We appreciate you. We'll be back soon to talk some more. And uh, Pat, if you want to help us uh, close us out so we can dip out of here. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, thank you to Deuce for joining us on the show. We will catch you uh, next week with some more hoops news now that pigskin season has concluded. Um, yeah, but uh, hope everyone enjoys uh, All-Star Weekend, and we'll catch you soon. Peace out, homies.